Hello and welcome to the Desert Deployment Podcast. I'm David and as always I'm here with Jack. Hello. And uh, this is a Old World special uh, episode where we're uh, about our sort of uh, uh, thoughts of of the new game. Now it's all officially rest and um, you know, people have had a chance to look at books and rules and models and future news for the hobby as well. So um, yeah, that's that's the plan. So what are you uh, gonna do? Yeah, yeah, so pretty much, obviously, Old World's <laughs> been out now for like a couple of days. Um, but due to the wonders of the internet, uh, obviously, all the books really, you know, they all leaked like over the last few weeks anyway. Um, so it's sort of like, you know, we had all the books in hand. So yeah, I've had a chance to play quite a few games now. Have you haven't played at all yet, have you, Dave? I unfortunately i'm so eager to but yeah no, i haven't, haven't had the chance yet i'm afraid seeing all the all the stuff online of people going over and stuff out and being like Aah! oh yeah <laughs> being very yeah. jealous and it's looking pretty, yeah it's looking pretty good i know in the amount of people that obviously have just like dived like balls deep into it already oh so, yeah and and it's it's i mean there's, there's... go on yeah go on no, go on, go on, go on. Go I was going to say, as um, one of the things sort of on seeing online across all the different hobby groups that I'm, I'm part of on like Facebook and Instagram and stuff is just seeing, you know, a people like getting into it fresh that never did fantasy but are really interested and intrigued by old world and you know jumping headfirst into that. But also on the other side of it is all the people going, oh, I haven't touched this army and like. 15 20 years or you know whatever and they're you know getting the wiping the dust off their their old forces um it's just yeah it's just really good to see it. and i think you know apart from some feel bads with you know uh the ordering and distributing and, and all of that i think on the whole it generally seems to be mainly positive vibes i'm i'm getting from the yeah, community yeah yeah it's like so i think the only the only sort of negative sort of vibes I'm really seeing off anyone. It's just because people haven't been able to get the stuff. But I think Games Workshop just, just underestimated the demand, didn't they? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean <clears throat> you know, there's a lot to be said for I think, you know, Games Workshop did a they, obviously, you know, they thought, well, you know, we're gonna sell this much and we'll be limit you know, we'll limit it to this much to be safe. Um mm. and people obviously just really fucking wanted it, which is good, to, you know, it's really nice to see. It's nice to see the fantasy can sell because if you think if you were a game, you know if you kind of looked at things from, I mean, when did they sort of stop selling fantasy? Was it about 15 years ago, 20 years ago? Yeah, um, about that. Whenever that was, you know, it was a it was a failing product line. Um, and that's for various reasons. You know, it was sort of at the time Games Workshop worrying everything was incredibly expensive for what you got. I mean, if you adjust yeah. for inflation now, the, the models are actually cheaper now um, than they were, you know, <laughs> they're significantly cheaper than they were there when they were on sale last and so it's yeah. very expensive you need large, large amounts of models and i think the game just it, it was a it it was it wasn't the game that people were wanting to play back then was it or it well i say that i mean obviously there's a lot of people that still want to play it and still you know were playing it but through one reason or the other maybe due to recession due to the cost of the models it obviously wasn't making Games Workshop money, and they were all, you know, they were very close to going under. I know there's a lot of connections with that, um, with the Middle Earth license, the kind of the bubble bursting on that. Mm. 
Um, but you know, the games worship were very close to to ceasing to trade. Um, but they pulled it back, and obviously, fantasy was a casualty of that. Um, but it's obviously nice to see that fan- there's a lot of fans of fantasy out there still. And, you know, you could have, obviously, we knew there were a lot of fans of fantasy, but it's nice to see that there's a lot of people that were willing to buy into it. And, um, you know, yeah. it'd sell out. And, yeah, the demand obviously <laughs> outstripped the supply. So, yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, obviously, one of, one of the things that, that didn't help was um, obviously they were struggling to get fresh players into the game, mm. or at least that. That's one of the that's been quoted to me by GW staff. Um, and I, I think now that they've got a lower model count game like Age of Sigma, which is supposedly more straightforward, you know, rules-wise to learn the game, that kind of gets people that are fresh into the hobby that don't want to buy, you know, hundreds and hundreds of line troops. You know, it gets them into wargaming and then they go, oh, Old world looks cool. Let's mm. try that. Um, so I think yeah, that that might be the winning um, formula for for it going forward. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, there might be a lot to be said just for the fact that it's people that want it. You know, all the people, a lot, not all, but a lot of the people aren't into old world. Are the people that probably really, really love fantasy, but they were just too young to afford it back then. But now yeah. they've all got full paying jobs. Um, yeah. And also, 3D printers exist, so you've got the combination of people actually being able to afford things, mm. um, and being able to bulk out things with 3D prints if they need to. So it's it's almost the perfect time for fantasy, really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's really really good to see, it. and um, yeah, as I say, it's just been fantastic seeing all you know loads of people starting projects either with old models that they had that they maybe you know didn't finish or you know they're touching up some older stuff because obviously you know if you had a finished even a finished army back you know when fantasy was still supported um you know the your painting skills probably gonna have come on a bit <laughs> since then so yeah. yeah it's 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 really cool to seeing all the different stuff and people finding you know old models and old um sets that maybe they're still in the cellophane sort of thing like I, I saw one earlier and it was um one of the uh terrain sets for the uh, empire village oh the yeah tower and the manor house oh, and mate. all the fences and stuff and i was like oh that looks just so <laughs> oh man i'll tell you what if those come back if games workshop starts selling those again obviously at a reasonable price um, because I mean, they go on eBay for like a fucking hundreds of pounds. Yeah, that's a lot. But and they were they were brilliant sets, and mm. I think I think I think the only reason they just it just didn't seem like the time they're out. It just didn't seem like. Uh, well, I don't know. It, it, it was it's it's a. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. It it, it seems like they you know they they just a, they're a great terrain kit, and you think they sell tons of them. Maybe if they came back now, they would perhaps. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that'll be interesting. So anyway, you know, let's say we've seen some really good hype. Obviously, it's the out. You know, more people want the books than are available, but the books are available online. Yeah. They've got the PDF versions out now. Or if you want to just get a, you know, an online PDF version, it's out there. People have got links to it, so yeah. you can get a hold of the rules now. Um, and I mean, so obviously you haven't played yet, Dave. So what's your what from from what you've read and what you've looked at? What what's what's the vibe you're taking from it? I mean, it's, it sounds like there's a couple of little um, 
tricks and stuff that people have, have been sort of thinking up since and and maybe a couple of uh, little bits that might seem on face value a bit overpowered but it seems to be like it's generally quite rounded balance wise by the, by yeah. the sounds of things and from what i've seen from yeah because there, there is so many battle reports coming out online at the moment for old world which is mm. fantastic so i'm kind of living my gaming <laughs> dreams through <laughs> through watching other people's battle reports um yeah. so yeah it, it seems to be you know quite well put together um you know the people are picking it up quickly and you know sort of given the amount of time that quite a lot of these um youtubers have had to do these um battle reports um they've obviously picked it up quite quickly um and it's only sort of like odd little situations where they're sort of having to like you know stop recording and go and check the book and then coming back sort of thing um so yeah it looks looks like it flows really well um and yeah the couple of bits in in there that sort of at first sounds a bit like oh that doesn't sound very good or or, or so for, for example the um step up um rule Back of step up uh, yeah um that that sounded a bit oh but then you know looking at battle reports and talking to people who have played games it it does actually seem to work so it's like oh okay well <laughs> you know and i, I think that's quite going to be quite a common theme with quite a lot of people's viewpoints and uh you know opinions on the rules is is reading them compared to playing them are going to be two different things you know it, it, you can sort of look at something on paper and you know think of an isolated instance where something might be you know broken or, or overpowered or something but actually when you start playing in games you know you might find that that specific scenario that you're thinking up hardly ever comes up Mm. <clears throat> um or you know or it's quite obvious so you, you and your opponent sort of plan around it in you know as a part of your strategizing but yeah it sounds seems to be from what i've witnessed um and unfortunately not experienced yet a quite you know rounded system um but yeah you you're, you've uh you've had a a, a few games so uh what was what's your experience been yeah, so I've played five games now. So I've done, I've played, I've played Bretonia every game. So yeah, I've obviously I've so I've played I've played Bretonia since I was like fifteen. Um, so I think fifteen, maybe sixteen, maybe probably fifteen. So I've had Bretonia for a long time. Um, just to just put into context, I'm thirty now. So, so it's it's been a while. I've been playing Bretonia for a few years. Um, so yeah so it's it's um so sort of the first comment i suppose is how much bretonia has changed and um, so they're they're different they're a similar vibe to what they were before um they're a little bit different the main thing is you've got a lot more options um so, so bretonia they've been a really old book up till now um mm. and they kind of there was a lot of options in a bretonian book that you just didn't work like you literally couldn't take them anymore because just the rules outdated what the rules did in that book yeah um or they were just completely you know they they weren't a usable unit if you know what i mean um or you're like a usable item um you know they just didn't didn't have any effect they cost many points um mm. or just again the way the game had changed you just couldn't spend you know it didn't it didn't work um so that's changed and there's a few more units and and options in there for returning because they're, they're still i think they're still the faction with the, the smallest amount of um of units by quite a long way but oh, okay. they've 
but they've um, they've they've got more units. Um, obviously, you've got the Exiles list. They've brought back a couple of units from the from really old editions. So Squires are back, um, and they weren't they were last in fifth edition, uh, which was over twenty years ago now. Right. <laughs> so, so Squires have come back as a unit. They're not you know they're not super different to um, to sort of skirmishing bowmen, but they're a little bit different. They've got a couple of different rules. They they you know they're enough that they they're playable. Um, mm. Then you've got new, different units in the... Um, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll probably have a little look through the Bretonian book and I can sort of describe stuff in there. Um, but, so yeah, so Bretonian have got a lot more... They've got more units. Not a lot more, but some, you know, they've got more units. They've got more options. Um, they've got a peasant hero for the, um, for the first time in 20 years as well, which is cool. Beautiful. So you, you still can't play a full peasant army. You do need to have knights. Um, right. But you can take peasant characters now. Um, which is really cool because that was missing from the last book, and it wasn't, yeah. you know, it wasn't a deal breaker. But being able to have peasant heroes is quite good. You know, it's um, it's just a fun little addition because the peasants would have leaders. You know, you still they would still have these sergeants at arms and that would sort of look after the forts and sort of be in charge of the men at arms and the rabble. So it's yeah. good that they're back in. Hmm. So <clears throat> yeah, so Britannia's changed a bit. Um, I'd probably say. <laughs> Oh, wow, I'm trying to think sort of the, the main changes of Sage of Returning. Um, so first charge is a, quite an important one, um, which most of the night units have. So first charge is the first charge they make of the game. Um, they disrupt the enemy the enemy unit, which means the enemy don't get a rank bonus. Yeah. Um, which on paper sounds really good, but rank bonuses actually don't matter that much in this edition. They're not as big of a thing as they were in 8th. Really? So yes, they're they're not as important, I don't think. Okay. Um, which so it's it's not as good as it first seems. However, on the flip side of that, large night blocks are very good because they've got a high <laughs> unit strength. So I've we've obviously seen a lot of stuff in the videos, haven't we? You know, and a lot of people I think online as well are saying, "Oh, like little units are going to be the way to go," and I think that absolutely is not the case. So from the yeah. games I've played, we've noticed that large units are definitely the way to go with you know, they 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 stick around for a long time. Because unit strength's very important now. So yeah. with the new mechanics of falling back, you know, you have the three stages, you have sort of three stages of break test. Yeah. So when you lose a combat, obviously rank bonus does count. So I'll go into why rank bonus isn't that much of an issue anymore. Is that rank bonuses you don't you still get as much as you did before. So you get one for being in close order now. Or being in an equivalent order. So, Bretonia, for instance, because they have a specialist formation, which is the Lance formation, they get one combat res for being in that formation. So, yeah. close order is just your dudes are with it, they're all in their block. That's close order. So, there's open order as well, which is very similar, but you don't, it, that's just a, it's a very slightly different thing. But we'll just talk about close order for now. It's 99% of the units in the game are close order. So, you get one for being in close order, which means you're in a formation. You get a point for that. Um, you then get one for every rank or complete rank of that your troop type requires to get a rank bonus so for most models that's five for heavy units that's four for monstrous infantry that's or monstrous cavalry that's three so heavy units will be um bretonian knights chaos knights um uh, foot knights chaos warriors anything that's sort of bulked up in heavy armor so if you're a heavy unit you so heavy infantry and heavy cavalry they only need to be four wide to get their rank bonus and count as being in formation um, okay. They also can't be disrupted in the flank unless they're charged by an enemy with unit strength 10 or more. So unit strength, um, which is the next thing. So unit strength is, if you've played um, any, like 6th edition or any of the older editions from there, 
Um, you remember how unit strength works. In most stuff, you unit straight unit strength one if you're an infantry, and then if you're being an infantry, so cavalry have unit strength two, and then from there it's dictated by the unit type. Sometimes it's how many wounds they start with. Sometimes the unit type just gains unit strength X per model. So you'll take your unit strength times by the amount of models you have, and that's your overall unit strength. So 15 knights of the realm is unit strength 30, because they're, they're each unit not the realm has a unit strength of two. So well, the way the new break tests work <clears throat> is that if you're charged and you lose the combat, you take a leadership test. Now, if you're not outnumbered by two to one, or sorry, over two to one on unit strength, yeah. then you take what would be... And the new style of, of break test. So you roll your leadership test. If you roll under your leadership, but above the modifier, then you just fall back in good order. Right. So fall back in good order is you fall back, you roll your, your break, oh, sorry, you roll your fall back, you fall back the highest dice number, and then you immediately rally once you've fallen back, and then your opponent chases you up. So even if yeah. they catch you, they don't kill you. You just fight another round of combat. But um, if you roll over your leadership, you do still break and flee. But it's very, very difficult to break and flee now. So yeah. it's very likely you'll break and flee. However, if you are outnumbered by over two to one and you lose a combat, you will break on with the modifier. So if you lose a combat by four and your leadership seven, you need to get a three or less. And if you don't do that, you'll break and flee. So a large night block, and bear in mind, step up's not a thing anymore. So knights on the charge, because they get a leadership bonus now, you know, you're looking at plus three through initiatives, they'll probably hit an initiative six. So they, they'll be going before most units. So they mm -hmm. can kill the front rank. The enemy can't fight back. They'll lose by four or five, or whatever it is. Um, then they'll break, and then they'll get cut down with the knights. So that is really, really powerful. Mm. Uh, so it's made those large knight blocks very, very scary. <laughs> Against yeah, large units. <clears throat> Um, so that's probably one of the biggest changes, is the ca is cavalry, you don't need to have the Baron and the Lady anymore, because it doesn't exist, funnily enough. Um, but you can break people on the charge now with large, with large knight blocks, um, which means you keep your momentum going, because knights need to keep flowing. So now we're pretending, obviously, we, before you had the lance formation, so lance formation was that kind of bus formation where you were going sort of, you were three wide, and then all your dudes on the sides got to fight. So if you were three wide, five deep, your three dudes at the front would fight, and then everyone on every side would fight as well. Yeah. So now it's a triangle formation instead, <laughs> um, which is everyone on the sides counts as being in the fighting rank, which is right. exactly the same as it was in effect. So you'll fight that in effect, they will count as being in the front, but it also will count as being in base contact as well. So you'll get to make all their full amount of attacks Ooh. in the enemy, okay. which is really, really good. Yeah. Um, but with that formation, if you are charged by anything that you can't countercharge, so if you're already in combat, you can't countercharge. Anything charges you, if you're in a if you're in a lance formation, you're disrupted. Well, you're you're blunted is the word. So the lance becomes blunted, which means you immediately form into a close order formation and you won't have any ranks because of the way the enemy goes into you, unless they go into the very small unit. You won't be able to get any rank bonus. So suddenly you've lost all your attacks. <laughs> <laughs> your rank bonus has gone to shit and you're hitting them with you might still get your charge bonus if you already charged in but if you didn't you're going to be hitting them with strength three knights with a couple of attacks and you're going to fall apart very quickly so bretonia is very very vulnerable now the knights to being charged 
Yeah, so uh, by, yeah, by infantry. This is mainly um, if, if they're charged by enemy cavalry or chariots, they can counter charge against them. So then they get a charge bonus as well, as so they don't get blunted. But if they're charged yeah. by infantry or anything that they can't counter charge against, then they're immediately blunted. So really, you kind of want big block of infantry with maybe something like stubborn to absorb that initial charge and then hold them there whilst you get something going to the side of them. Yeah, and it's not just Bretonian Knights, though. It's like Chaos Knights are the same sort of story. Chaos, the Chosen Knights, for instance, they hit like an absolute train. Um, (laughs) But if you've got a unit that can blunt that, so you want a unit with unbreakable or stubborn and then shield wall, ideally, um, they'll take the hit from them and then blunt them. And then obviously they don't actually get blunted because they're in a, a close order formation anyway. Um, but they'll lose their charge bonuses and they'll get bogged down and then they'll get cut down. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, I say that's one of the biggest changes is unit strength, unit sizes of, and, and shield wall are very important now. In- infantry with shield wall are incredibly valuable. I mean, I think as time goes on, you'll see people want to move more to taking units with shield wall. Not, not me. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's, it's quite interesting because it's not necessarily stuff that's sort of appeared from the battle reports. Yeah, they seem to be set to be playing in a very particular way. Like most of the, the games I've seen with those, they've used little lances of knights. Yeah, and I think fairly. They've used like fairly small units. Um, just overall, like they're taking sort of like blocks of like fifteen to twenty dudes, that sort of thing. Like it's quite rare you see like a larger unit. Um, yeah. But those larger units are, you know, especially if it's quite a hard unit as well, like Great Swords or Chaos Warriors, mm. they're really, really hard to shift. Um, anyway, that was a bit of a sort of tangent slightly, but you know, that's just just a couple <laughs> of observations I've made. Um, over the five games, I mean, I've so my sort of takeaway, my my the top takeaways I'd say before we sort of get into sort of the, you know, all the things I'd like to talk about um, and how good it is. Um, first off, it's a really, really good game. Um, and if you're thinking about playing Old World, and you've, you know, even if you've played any of the old editions of Fantasy, you will enjoy it. Because um, it's got all the best bits of every edition, really. Um, the, I'd say the main, the main dividing factor, I think, is going to be Step Up. Um, so Step Up's not in the game. There is a rule called Step Up, but it's, diff- it's, it's actually the exact opposite of what Step Up was in 8th edition. <laughs> I don't know, they just yeah. call it, I don't know why they call it Step Up. It's in effect, it's, it's in effect, it's the 6th edition rule for, um, for fighting. So if you lose a guy in the front rank, or if you take, say, if you've got a 5-wide unit, and you take 5 wounds on that unit, even though you're taken from the back of the unit, you count as losing 5 men from the front, so they're not allowed to strike. So if you've got a champion, who's to be able to strike because he can't be taken away unless he's specifically targeted by modeling combat in base contact with him. Yeah. But won't get to attack. So that do, does lead to these sort of feel-bad moments sometimes where you'll go into someone, you'll kill their whole front rank, and they won't get to attack, and you just win. Um, and that is definitely... <clears throat> that's definitely there. Um, and there, there's... <laughs> If you play 8th edition, and you've only played 8th edition, um, this is definitely something you need to get used to, because it, yeah. it can be a little bit jarring, like the idea of your unit's not attacking. But because of the various changes with initiative bonuses and initiative penalties, it's kind of offset a bit. Um, it's, still, <laughs> it's still there, and it's, it can be a bit jarring. Um, and I mean, I've mainly been on the end doing it to people, because I'm playing, you know, I'm playing Bretonia, so I'm mainly doing the charging. Um, you know, you go in and you're like, oh, sorry, you actually just can't attack. And they're like, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah. <laughs> so that that's that's uh, probably the most divisive change. Um, and then the other device change I think is magic. So magic is, and again, it's it's actually quite different to what we're probably seeing in a lot of the battle reports and a lot of how it's being sold. If you know what I mean. Um, so magic is, uh, it's very very safe. It's not like Eighth Edition where there's a good chance you'll blow yourself up if you put too many power dice in it. Um, yeah. There's no kind of mini game and mind game phase that's not really there. Yeah. Um, there's very, very little incentive to not just cast all your spells. You kind of go, I've got these spells, I'm going to roll for them. Um, to the miscast table, it, uh, two of the results of the miscast table are actually good. Yeah. Um, which is a bit strange. Um, and there's only one of them that's particularly dangerous. So, and even then, if your wizard's on their own, um, which again is actually quite a good move now, just keeping the wizard out on their own, unless they've got buff spells. So if they've got range, you know, they've got enchantments, they have to cast themselves. Um, you know, that they affect the unit. But if they've all, you know, all their spells ranged, um, then the, it's probably, you know, that there are downsides because you, you can take a cannonball to the face. Um, they can just show you the cannonball or something. Um, or another wizard might hit you with a spell. But yeah. in general, because the character targeting rules, you can't target a lone character if they're within three inches of a unit of the same unit type, unless that character is the closest target. Um, so as long as you position your wizard properly, you can just put them on their own, and then they're pretty much safe from miscasting, because the yeah. miscast will only affect their unit as opposed to them. They might take a hit every now and then, but they'll probably be fine. So yeah, you can just you can kind of just cast whatever. Um, and magic's very random as well, because it's just two dice and add level. You know, casting and dispelling is a bit kind of like cool. I'm just going to do it. You know, you go, oh, I'll yeah. just roll. I'll just roll for it. I'll just roll for it. And you can offset that again. You can take power scrolls. Um, so you know, you can take power scrolls, stat the odds. You can take items to give yourself a plus one, that sort of thing. But it's fairly, it's just roll, roll dice and go for it. Um, and the other thing, which is definitely something that's not been sort of sold, is you almost need to have a level four. I've no. noticed that even so from watching if, some of the battle reports. Yeah, if you don't have a level four wizard, you will struggle to cast or dispel any spells, um, because the spell the cast values are quite high for a lot of the spells. So the the, the cast so the, the magic now is just you roll two dice and you add your wizard level, and if you beat the score, or if you equal to or beat the score, the spell it goes off. Um, some yeah. of the spells have two levels of effects, where if you get the lower level, it does a weaker version; if you get the higher level, it does a higher version. Um, but if you don't have a level 4 wizard, you will struggle to get some of the spells off. But equally, because this spelling is done on the same roll, so if the enemy's got a level 4, they're adding 4 to their dispel roll. So because the only the only factor in it is 2d6 plus level, you're at an innate disadvantage with the enemy dispelling. So if you're, especially if the enemy's got magic resistance, so magic resistance now is just a, a minus to your roll. So if you're yeah. casting a spell on the unit and it's magic resistance 2, you take 2 off that roll. So unless you're level 4, you're going to struggle to cast that. And if you do get it off, the enemy wizard is going to easily stop you and shut you down. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's odd because it was kind of marketed, I think, as kind of wizards weren't as essential. Um, but they are. I think this is the addition where wizards are most essential. Um, or level fours are, anyway. Like, you need to have a level four wizard, or the, you'll, you will struggle. Yeah. Um, again, it's early days, and I could be wrong, but that's what, I've, what we've taken away. Like, so I've played five games, and from that, so it's still, like, fuck all, really. You know, spit in the ocean. By the time I've played 50, then it might be like, oh, yeah, I was completely wrong, actually. Because um, there's new stuff we're seeing every day. But obviously... 
that's what I've taken away from it so far is it's like, oof, you know, if you didn't have a level four, you'd really, really struggle to get anything off. Yeah. Um, or you struggle to shut things down as well. I think, um, yeah, I think that's the thing as well is this, the shutting down is, is quite, yeah. quite key because, yeah, if you're up against a level four yeah. wizard and you're trying to shut down, you, you're already at quite a disadvantage. Yeah, you are, yeah. Yeah, like a level a level two will be. I don't think a level two is really going to be able to shut down level four, unless they just get really really lucky. Yeah, because in effect they're three down for a dispel now. You need to get you need to beat the value to to dispel it. Yeah. So a level two, if a level four casts something on a, well, if they cast something on a fourteen, um, so you still get your double six is an auto is an automatic cast an automatic dispel yeah. that sort of thing. So you could still get your double six. Um, but if you don't get your double six, you're probably not going to dispel it. Yeah, yeah. So, and you can also miscast on dispels as well, um, which is interesting. So, if you roll a double one on yeah. dispels, then you miscast. Um, but it uses the same table, which again is a little bit janky because it's kind of geared towards stopping spells. No, stop it. You know, it's it's geared towards fucking you up in the spell casting mm. aspect. So the, the the dispel miscasts are a little bit janky, but it's it works still. Yeah, um, so yeah, that's that's sort of the main yeah that's that's yeah. So that under the large blocks of units, probably two takeaways that I'd say we haven't really been necessarily seen when we've been watching the battle reports and that sort of thing for the last few weeks. Yeah. You know, it's it's quite surprising to see how different that is. But on the so going back to the unit strength one, the um or the large unit one. The benefit of that is it is possible to break units in one go because I know there was a lot of people going, oh, well, you're never going to be able to break a bit. You know, you won't be able to break a unit. It'll just be a grind for six turns. That's definitely not the case. Units yeah. do break. Units do flee. It happens quite a lot. Um, and obviously this this might um, <clears throat> feed into um, possibly into why we haven't seen it so much um, on the sort of uh, belt reports. But um, what size games have you been playing? So we've I've played three games at two thousand points and I've played two games at two thousand five hundred. Um right. and I have noticed that two thousand you fit a lot less models in than you do in eighth edition. Right. So it's it's definitely a smaller game, but the games take longer to play as well. So two thousand five hundred eighth edition you probably play you will play significantly faster than two thousand five hundred of old world. Um okay. so yeah, but you say yeah, so the the base troop costs are equ about equivalent to eighth edition, so they're if if not cheaper in some cases. Um, but the characters and the magic items cost a lot more. Yeah. So magic items have pretty much all doubled, I would say. Um, not everything. Some of the top level, you know, the the real high tier stuff is probably about the same. But a lot of the cheap common magic items have they've shot yeah. value. Um. So. You, you do kind of use up your your magic allowance quite fast. <clears throat> um, yeah, and the characters have all kind of got quite a bit more expensive um, to space. But I think that's that's almost by design. Is mm. they they've kind of tried to make the characters you know tried to almost make it. They've tried to avoid making it too hero hero hammery. Um, yeah. At the same time, though, on the other aspect, most characters have got better in some way or the other. Um, so initiative across the board has come down. So most stuff's quite low initiative now. Even elves um, aren't like they're not hitting initiative seven yeah, regularly. Yeah. yeah, which is quite interesting. Um, but yeah, so initiative's come down. But most like characters have all gained. In general, they've gained some stats here and there. So they're pretty. And you're, you're sort of your um, 
your your upper end lord level characters you know they're they're putting out some serious hurt they've got some high stats you know they've yeah. got like four four plus wounds um four or five attacks weapon skills seven or eight that sort of thing yeah um so they're they're pretty meaty um but yeah like as i say we've noticed you fit less in though in a 2000 point list than you would in eighth edition um but the game as i say the game does take longer to play so i wonder if that's kind of by design perhaps is that Maybe. if you take more special rules to the game you know it costs more to kind of balance out the speed of the game i'm not sure um, and again, it might, it might be a case of once we've got, we've learned to play more and it, or everything's memorized, it might flow a bit yeah. faster. That's, that's literally what I was about to say. Do you think that maybe it's taken a little bit longer just because you are stopping to double check yeah. rules and, and no, stuff it, like that? It could, yeah, it could well be, yeah. Um, yeah, I played a game with Zach and his High Elves uh, on Friday. Oh, and yeah. We didn't spend a lot of time looking at the books for that. Um, and it still took a fair while. Okay. Um, what I have noticed is that games do reach the end of the game. Like, there's no, there's like no tabling. You know what I mean? It's very, That's good. very rare. Yeah. Well, I say no tabling. Well, you haven't had a single game where it's been tabled yet. Um. And so, the, sorry. Yeah. Go on. No, go on, Karen. I was going to say that with with obviously playing the the two size games there. Do you think that the um the points that you raise about yeah, you know, the the night blocks and the the bigger troop, um, you know, unit sizes being a a thing is is more. You've noticed it more in the bigger games because that, that that's what I'm wondering is because quite a lot of the online games, uh, online games, uh, battle reports seem to be around the two thousand and under marks, which makes yeah. it obviously means you've got less points to buy these bigger blocks of, of models. So I I'm wondering if maybe that's why it hasn't really been seen. Not necessarily, no. I think because I think at two thousand you'd be better off taking one block of say Chaos Warriors, for instance. Mm. I think you're better off taking one block of forty five Chaos Warriors than you would be taking, say, two blocks of two blocks of twenty two with command. Okay. That sort of thing. Because um, hmm. those, those large, in fact, I think at the smaller points levels, those larger blocks are almost better because they can stack all the buffs on them. Um, because um. characters, most characters now have some kind of buff that they give their unit. Um, and a lot of the spells are like range self or very short range. So you could have like a couple of characters. Um, so that's another thing. because obviously the character allowance has changed slightly now. So you get a character allowance of fifty percent, um, which in theory is it's the same because obviously you know you would be twenty five percent lord, twenty five percent hero. Yeah, but because they overlap now, it's given it's a lot. There's a lot more versatility there, so you can fit a lot of hero level characters. I say a lot of hero level characters. By the time you put the um, by the time you factor in the magic item costs, it's still less than you would get an eighth. Um, but yeah. you can, you know, you've got those low level characters can kind of dip into the points you probably otherwise be spending on your high level characters, or vice versa. You could take some very, you know, some very high level characters without any hero level ones. Yeah, that something I've I've noticed when I've been having a quick you know look at mm. possible lists and stuff, you know, with with characters sort of thing is that whilst obviously like you say you've got this bigger space almost to spend points on characters, but then you know like for example with with beast men, you can only have one beast lord or doom yeah. per thousand yeah. points. You can only have one great bray shaman per thousand points, and it's yeah, yeah. That's, that's your level four, yeah. level three, and level four wizard there. So it's sort of like okay, well, actually, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. No, they have, yeah, and I, I like the, how they've done that. Actually, that's a really elegant yeah. 
doing things. And that's that's another thing I'd like to say, actually. So, like I say, overall, obviously, even if it's a bit, someone like, oh, I'm not sure about this. Overall, it's it's probably the best edition of Warhammer Fantasy, I think. That's that's my my hot take of the day. Um, I think it's the best edition. Really. Yeah, here first, folks. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and you know, I know they've there's a lot of touting with that. They've said that about forty k every time they release a new edition, but um, it, I think it's better than <laughs> Fantasy. It's yeah. very very good. It takes a lot of there's a lot of stuff in Warhammer Ancient Battles in it. Um. But then they've also taken just bits from every edition of Fantasy Material. But um, another reason I think it's really good. So it's a very the um what I would call I suppose the force organization charts mm. um, or your army list. That is very reminiscent of the Lord of the Rings Legendary Legion. Um, sort of uh, what's it called? Um, kind of the Legendary Legion framework. So if, um... if it, so, for anyone that's familiar with Lord of the Rings, I'll understand what that means. If you're not, um, Lord of the Rings follows a system where you have a main army list, but then you also have legendary legions, which will state that you can take specific characters and specific models. It often modifies their troop, either what they can do, what equipment they can take, how much they cost, or what special rules they get. But if you take that, op- that alternative legion, alternative army list, it then locks you out of doing other things, and it will dictate how many of something you're allowed to take, um, you know, per X points or per other one of this model, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. And they've taken that sort of thing on board. So everyone has a grand army. So your grand army is your overall list. And in that, what they've done is, so there's no, it's not like Horus Heresy where there's kind of, you must take minimum this, maximum this. It's just, so you don't have like, you know, one troop, one HQ, three heavy support sort of thing. Yeah. You just have, so in your grand army, everything's always the same. You have your fifth, you have a, fi- um, a 50% of your points to be spent on characters. Fifty percent can be spent on special. Twenty five percent minimum has to be spent on core. And then twenty five percent maximum can be spent on rare. And then each of those categories has a list of what units you can take in that category. And then they'll often be zero to one per thousand points or per character. So as say trebuchets for instance with Atonia, you can take zero to one trebuchet per one thousand points. So instead of limiting that model with a hard cap of like zero to one or zero to two it's just the bigger the game, the more you can take. But yeah. you can't take tons of them in a little game, yeah. which is really good. And like yeah, I like say, so. but then with your really high level characters like your, your Bretonian um, Duke and your Chaos Lord, for instance, um, they are one per army. No matter how big the army is, you take one. But then you've got the lower level Lord characters. So they're still, in effect, those lower level Lord characters are probably still the stat line of the Lord characters in, say, 6th, 7th, and 8th. Um, you can take one of those per 1,000 points. So you can have your level 4 wizard, you can have your big beefy lord, and then if they, they, uh, but then if you're playing 2,000 points, you could also take another lord level character, who's not going to be as good as either of those, but he's still a lord level character, if you yeah. wanted to. Or if you've got a certain character, say you've got a witch elf, because obviously the PDS came out today, um, if you've got a witch elf hag, she allows you to take a unit of... Um, of witches as troops, oh, sorry, as core with El- with dark elves. Um, or if you're playing goblins, if you've got a goblin chieftain, you can take zero to one of each goblin unit in each category for him. That sort of thing. Yeah. So your army is the the list building is very unrestrictive, but it's thought out in a framework where as long as you stick to your theme, you'll be able to take what you what you you can take. 
but you're not yeah. you won't be able to push stuff out into like these weird broken janky lists that you tend to see in some other games like 40k i think is probably the biggest yeah yeah for that um but that's really good i like that because it means you still you have a lot of options in your army you know and you can be writing a list you could write a list that looks totally different to sort of a very similar you know a list written with the same army in the same points value you go down a different route and go to a yeah. different um, but then the armies of infamy, which are the kind of alternate army lists, which are like your entry legions, they not only modify the, the percentage of what you can spend in each section, but they also modify where your units are in each section. So okay. some some armies of infamy will say that you can take what might be a rare unit in one in your your um, your core list that might become special, or it might even become core. You know, mm. depending on how the list functions, or you might get an additional, you might be able to spend 33% of your points on rare, or 50% of your points on rare, instead of the only 25 that you can spend in your, um, your grand army list. But to do that, you'll then have, you'll then probably lose some options, or you'll have to take X amount of another unit, or there's special rules around that. So even though it changes how the army works quite a lot, it still makes it balanced. Yeah. And that's, but you again, you get these really nice themed forces, and that's really, that's really cool. I like that. And then you can add, yeah, you can also so... ally these forces together in some cases as well. So you can ally, um, say, Chaos don't have their armies with me yet, but they're allowed to ally in their armies with me, which I'm assuming will probably be God, the God focused powers eventually. Um, and Bretonia can ally in their armies with me as well. So you can have a Bretonian army led by a Duke from Bretonia, and he can be joined by an ally contingent from the Border Princes. That's cool. Um, which is really cool. So you, you can have these two armies fighting side by side, but both have to follow their own army list restrictions and army list rules for selecting the army. And it's always been thought out in such a way that it doesn't really seem to break anything. There will almost certainly be some stupid things that people will do eventually, yeah. but it looks like they've put a lot of effort in into trying to mediate that to a degree. Um, I like so that. That's, yeah, so that's, that's really good. I really like um, that. And I, I like it because obviously, it, you know, number one, it, it makes obviously the game a, a lot more balanced. But mm. at the same time as well, the, the way that they've done it, because it just feels so fluffy. Yeah, like, it's you know, yeah. like like you like you're saying like that that little just that little thing of being able to take like for example with beastmen, if you have a um, beast lord as your general, you can take a unit of bestigors as mm. a core choice. Yeah, um, and you know which which really. You know that court law-wise, you know that makes sense because that you know a beast lord normally has a contingent of of, yeah, of bestivals with them as as kind of their sort of almost like their bodyguard unit. Um, you know, a male will you know always have first pick of all the the gear and equipment when they heard you know comes together before you know going out to battle or or raiding or whatever. So yeah, it, it little things like that. I think you know it keeps it balanced, but yeah, you know, still adds that flavor, which I think, I think, yeah, yeah, it's it's really really good. I think it's my favorite out of all the the GW games. I think that's got to be my favorite, yeah, you know, sort of list building sort of system. I, yeah, I agree with you there. Actually, I think it is. I think this is probably the best one we've seen for Games Workshop. Um, yeah, I think whoever's written it should be, yeah, they they should be really proud of themselves because they've they've done a really good job. 
It's, it's like they've taken the best parts of the Warhammer Fantasy system. It's like well, the best parts of the eighth edition fantasy list building, and then combined it with all the rings, and then added a bit of their own bits. I don't know if maybe Ancient Battles had something similar. Perhaps I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's it's brilliant. It's it's mm. really good, and it, yeah. I think it's going to lead to really diverse armies. Yeah. So I think you're going to see once you come back, once everyone's got their armies infamy out. Um, and once we've got lists for mercenaries as well, so that's another thing we haven't really sort of talked about yet. Obviously, so no one's seen any rules for mercenaries yet. There are some armies that do they can take mercenaries from other lists, so you can take like some orcs as mercenaries in a in a list. Um, Bretonia can take some empire knights as mercenaries in their crusade list. Uh, I think, I think, I'm trying to think who else has got mercenaries from another list. There's a couple knocking around. Um, but in general, it's just you've got 20, 20% to spend on mercenaries. So at some yeah. point, there's going to be a mercenary list coming out or some mercenaries, which I assume will be the um, the uh, Regiments of Renown or something yeah. very similar to that, or the Dogs of War. Maybe we'll get a Dogs of War book at some point. Um, no. So that's going to be really cool. Like, yeah, that's been really cool to see that because almost every army can take mercenaries. So that's going to be awesome to see that, just to see these like these very different units turning up. But then if you take units as mercenaries, they're less reliable because you have the misbehaving yeah. mercenaries. So you have to roll at the start of the game to see what happens, and they yeah. might just not turn up. It's like you've paid them, but they've actually decided <laughs> nah, fuck that, and then they'll rock up at some point during the battle. But it might already be too late then, um, or they might fight like in an uninspired ways they don't they, they don't really fancy it that day or they don't feel like they've been paid enough so you, you can kind of expand your list out and maybe buy these mercenaries to cover the weaknesses in your force but they might not be reliable <laughs> yeah and, and, and again i think that's another good uh sign yeah because it's up to or at least the one i'm looking at at the moment is up to 20 percent of your army's points can be spent on mercenaries so again it's a Something that's not gonna supposedly might might do or probably regret this these words in months to come, but it's not big enough to break you know, a list. Um, but it's another way to add a bit more unique individual flavour to your army compared to somebody else's um, you know, choices yeah. for the same the same race. So yeah. It. Fantastic. It is, yeah, it is fantastic, yeah. And it's it's just the more of it. I think the the you know when we go into events, um, the more the variation we see, the better. Mm. And it looks like this game so far has been written with that in mind, and we're going to see varied lists from everybody. Like it's possible to see. I think it's going to be possible to see three empire lists turn up to a game, and they'll all be completely different. Yeah. Um, and that'll be yeah, that'll just be great. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's yeah, that's it's it's really good. Um, so yeah, going back to the actual gameplay, um, it, yeah, as I say, it's very reminiscent of the older editions. If you played the older editions, you'll be able to play this. You know, you'll pick it up within a game or two. Um, I played, like I say, I played with Zach, um, the other day. So Zach's been playing Eighth Edition for what fifteen years or something, um, maybe more. <laughs> uh, no, possibly more uh, yeah probably about 15 years or so I think um, and it, he picked it up really quickly um, he's you know he had a little skim of the rule book went oh yeah cool um, and then we played and yeah it, there wasn't any problems so 
yeah, it was really straightforward to pick up. The, uh, the, the main differences are obviously the combat um, and the magic. So magic, obviously, completely different to the old editions, but it's very simple. Um, yeah. So it's easy. It's, you know, super simple, probably too simple. Uh, but it's easy to, to use, very easy to play. Uh, the move phase is very reminiscent of the older editions. Maneuvering is a little bit more complex, and you do need to... That's probably the part of the rules you're going to need to reread the most, right. is the, the movement phase. Um, because there's you can read it at first glance and be like, oh yeah, I've got that. But you need to go back and you need to reread it, because you'll definitely make a mistake, and you'll be like, oh shit, I couldn't do that. Or, oh, I could have done that. Um, yeah. it's, it's very difficult to... You can't. So the main, the thing, the main thing that's different to the eighth edition is that the the sort of the wheel has gone. So you know, in eighth, you could just wheel on the spot. Yeah, that's gone. That's not there anymore. Yeah. So you have to measure the movement of the models in the units when you turn, and then a turn is a specific maneuver. So if you take a turn, you then can't do a reform. You can't redress the ranks. Uh, swift reforms also gone as well. So you can't blow your trumpet and reform, which does sort of leave musicians in a weird place. I think for some armies, musicians are a little bit redundant now. Um, they, they, that, that will remain to be seen still. They still give you plus one to your rally test, but I think maybe for the undead, I think musicians might be a bit redundant. They they still give you a plus to being able to march past like close to units, doesn't it? They do, yeah. Uh, yeah, they do, yeah. And they give you plus one to rally as well. Hmm. And then you win the combat if you um if you draw they, draw, they give you yeah yeah but I th- yeah I think for the undead they might be a bit but I think they're really cheap for the undead as well so that's probably why so mm. probably fine um but yeah they they they're a little bit less useful than before but that, I suppose that before they're almost at auto take when they you'd sort of take a musician over a standard or a champion in many respects if you only had points for one because they were just yeah. really needed them so you get that swift form off. Um, so yeah, so Swift Reform's gone. Um, charging's a little bit different. So charging's a lot. So it's actually a really nice change compared to it. Charging's, and I, I like what they've done because I didn't like the 6th edition one because 6th edition, you have the whole, oh, you can't measure anything. And if you're really going to eyeballing a range, you would just win because you, you know, you, yeah. you if, or if, you know, you kind of, oh, that tree's worked. That must be that long. And, oh, I fired a cannon last turn. It was that fast. So I know my charge is going to be in range, so I'll do it. Um, and it was, you know, your charge ranges were all guaranteed. It was just double your move. Uh, yeah. Whereas now charging is, you roll two dice, you pick the highest, and you move that far. But if you go through terrain, you pick the lowest, and then you also take one for your movement. So moving through terrain now is actually really terrain makes a big difference to the game. Yeah. Um, but the rules are still very simple for it, which is really good. So you can just go, oh, it's terrain. You know, like terrain. It, obviously, it's not that isn't that simple, but. <laughs> It's almost that simple, you know. Like it's yeah, yeah. It, it's easy to pick up. It's easy to play. There isn't like a weird X rule for this, weird X rule for that, and you have to spend twenty minutes checking that we're both on the same page about what everything is. Yeah, like it's all very easy to. It's 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 very um very uh, intuitive. Yeah. Um, there is a bit of a weird one about you're supposed to discuss at the start of the game what you're going to count woods as, um, which hope. I mean, obviously, the, the reasonable thing to do is if you forget to discuss it, you just say they're difficult terrain. Um, but you're supposed to discuss if each section of woods is difficult or dangerous terrain. Oh, okay. Um, or difficult and difficult, or dangerous, or both, or none. But mm. it, realistically, it's all going to be difficult. 
Um, but it would have been quite nice if we just put a little thing in there that said, like, just... Well, and that actually, that's, that's a point that I probably want to come on to, actually, is this is definitely a game that's designed for experienced gamers, and it's designed for people with a reasonable attitude. Mm. It's not a tournament game. No. Like, definitely not. Like, like so the rules are well written, but they're not well laid out. Um, <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of there's a lot of grey areas. It's and it, obviously they do have the standard box out of don't be a moron, you know, be an adult. Yeah. Um, about it, which they actually because they released an FAQ today as well. Um, and in the bottom of the FAQ, there's a box art basically saying that of don't be a moron, be reasonable, come to reasonable agreements, and you do have to do that. Um, so. But which is good because I think I say it's good. It's good. I know there'll be people. Oh, it's fucking not good. We should have a fucking totally written game. <laughs> um, but it, it's it's kind of it's sort of in a similar vein to Horus Heresy, especially Horus Heresy V1. You know, and there are a lot of bits where you're like, eh? Like well, Horus Heresy V1 pre FAQ anyway. Yeah. I guess uh, Horus Heresy two now, I suppose. Well, there's some bits you like what? Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of things that just don't have an answer, or they're very vague. But you just you just have to be reasonable and just be like, yeah, it's obviously that, and then you go with that, you know. Yeah. Um, so that there is a bit of that, and the rule book is pretty badly laid out, um, especially with the. So I'd say the the main one that annoys me is fleeing from combat. So fleeing from combat is split over two different sections of the rule book. Love that. Yeah, which is a bit annoying because it kind of just stops in one bit, and then you have to full go all through to get to the next bit. Um, <clears throat> which is a bit of a pain. I know why they've done it. It's because they wanted to have the flee rules, obviously, at the first part of the game, the first part of the game where you could flee, which would obviously be normally it's the shooting phase. Yeah. So some of the flee rules are there. In fact, they're not. No, they're they're not. Sorry, they're in the flee bit in the in the move phase where you can flee from a charge. So they start right. off there and then they just stop, and then you have to go to the end of the combat phase to find the rest of them, <laughs> um, which is a bit annoying. And it's the same with the unit types. They're split over two sections. So yeah. there's, there's like a bit of the unit types where you get a brief overview and then it just stops. And then you have to find the rest somewhere else. Um, and then the rules for characters are kind of split everywhere. There's rules for characters in bits where you wouldn't expect to find that rule. It's yeah. just kind of there. Um, which is fine if you found it and you've read it. Um, but it's a bit annoying when you're like... Because we've been trying to, um, especially in our, our larger games, we've been we've been like going. I think that's it, but we'll just check it. Even if we know it is, we'll check it to find where the rule is. Yeah, so we know where it is. And I've been trying to write stuff down um, and just put this write down page numbers so I can sort of help people out. Because I've, I've, there's quite a lot of people I've got to teach the game to in a couple of weeks. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm trying to like get page numbers written down because I've been I've had quite you know there's quite a lot of people who are building armies now they've never played fantasy before and they said to me oh you'll be able to teach me how to play it won't you I'm like yeah yeah so I've kind of <laughs> tried to make notes and stuff so I can I can you know answer their questions when they say oh can I do this and I'm like oh I don't know actually like um but a lot of that split over a lot of pages and it's bloody annoying trying to find it or just trying to find where a rule was because you're like I've definitely seen that rule but where <laughs> is it this yeah. is a rule about, for instance, a rule about lone characters. Um, so if you're a lone character and you're not a monster, you become a skirmisher. Right. But the rule for that isn't under lone characters. Of course. No, it's just it's under <laughs> another part of the character rules. Um, <laughs> why, why wouldn't it be? <laughs> yeah, it, it's, like, it's fine because all the rules are there, but they're not easy to find when you need to look them up. You know? Or there's, yeah. you know, 
that open order units that split around a couple of different places as well. Um, and it's it can be a little bit annoying when you're trying to find something in the game. So once you've learned it all, it'll be all right. But when you're trying to find it, it's a bit difficult. So you do need to kind of check stuff. And um, but again, it's about being reasonable. You know, it's it's about just um, yeah, just being reasonable when you're playing the game and not being like. But I think that part of that comes though. It's it's kind of that that almost antithesis to a game maybe like 40k um or kings of war where instead of everything being super tight and there's no room for like those fun little encounters and stuff and there's no room for options it's like super tight you must do this you must do this you must do this and we can't break the game because it's well written it's like yeah that's great but also it's not fun yeah so they've gone the other way it's written like it is written like an old school game you know like an older the old, it's the older way of doing things in many ways, um, which does make it a bit difficult to find things. And yeah. it does mean that things are set out a little bit weirdly and they are really hard to find and it does annoy the fuck out of you. It does, it does seem to be that, um, that you know, <laughs> initial thoughts anyway, that you've got, you're going to have 40k and Age of Sigma, which is going to be uh, games if you want to do maybe more competitive tournament style games and then Horus Heresy and Old world, which are going to be a more like narrative-driven, fluffy style game. Obviously, you know, e- you could do e- either either way if you really wanted to, but that that kind of to me feels like the the direction it's kind of yeah. going. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you are right there, and I, that's I think that's that's probably what they're doing. Um, mm. and they're probably trying. I think they they want to market Horus Heresy in Old World. It, I mean, that's from what I see. They're marketing Horus Heresy in Old World to older players. Yeah. So then adding it to people who are older, they probably are a lot more reasonable and they're more interested in going down and having a narrative gaming experience and telling a story and having a good laugh as opposed yeah. to smashing their opponent's face in. Yeah. Um, so, because yeah, if you really went into fan, into this edition of fantasy with that attitude, you could break the game. Definitely. Yeah. And there's a lot of answers. There's a lot of answers to questions that just don't have. And let's say some of the stuff in the FAQ, you only have to read it and you're like, whoa, <laughs> like it's stuff yeah. that you probably wouldn't even think of, but if you were there trying to game it for a tournament, you'd be like, "Fuck you now." Um, <laughs> so there. And there's there's a couple of things that definitely haven't been answered that are still a bit like, "All right," um, but you know, it's. Uh, I think. Yeah, no. I, I think a, a little bit of it's also sort of that that mindset of of you know that split between the those sort of styles of games is mm-hmm. even sort of starting to show a bit obviously i haven't been through the entire range but looking on the um the the web store for games workshop the uh horace heresy and the old world stuff seems to have more of these expert levels kit um yeah where it says says on there that yeah 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 yeah. to be experienced building kits to to do these sort of things whereas like quite a lot of the you know the Age of Sigma and the um, 40k ones seem seem to be these. Yeah, you know, they they don't have that that title on there. So I, I think yeah, that's another maybe another indication as to the direction as well. Might be reading into it a, a lot more with my own personal biases, but yeah. Yeah, no, you could you could be right there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The only other thing I'd say on that is it seems like War Machines are missing a page of rules as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, it seems like they've just... Yeah, it's really odd. Their rules don't... Yeah. 
Um, it, it literally just seems like there's another. There should be another page somewhere for War Machine rules, and there isn't. Like, what what so, what would you expect to see on this? I would expect page? to see another page that says that War Machines can't charge. Says what happens when War Machines panic. Okay, um, yeah. When War Machines break. Right. Uh, and that just doesn't seem to exist. Okay. I, so, I have to admit, I haven't really looked at, at War Machines. Um, yeah. men don't tend to have, have many. No. <laughs> that, that yeah, that just doesn't seem to be a thing, um, which is odd. And we've looked for it. I mean, if anyone's found it, uh, they just call me a fucking moron. But <laughs> I've looked in detail for it, and I can't find it. And neither can anyone else I've asked. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's like oh yeah we're pretty yeah like oh no war machines can't do that or oh, they do this don't they and then we try and find it and we're like huh. well, i'll be damned <laughs> yeah it's it just doesn't seem to be there it, it's literally like they've it feels like there should be another page after the, where the war machine rules end and it's not okay. there so every every category of rules and this is brilliant as well this is really good obviously and i've just said there's some stuff that's not great um, but obviously that's me being, you know, I'm just trying to give like a pro and con. Overall, it's all really good. Yeah. But this is a really good thing they've done. And they have an oddball stuff section after every rule. Um, yeah, after every rule. That. That's so good. And it mm. just clears up little bits and pieces. Like, oh, what happens if this happens? And they aren't, it's like a pre, and they've like pre-prepared for an FAQ sort of thing. And obviously mm. stuff gets through and you do need an FAQ and that's the way it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, it's just really cool to have that little section in there to be like, oh, this is what you need to do when in this weird circumstance. Because the weird circumstances do come up. It does happen. You know, you get these little things and they just explain how that works, like how two rules may interact with each other, how you might order something. Um, yeah, and that's that's really good. But the War Machine section doesn't have that. And that's yeah. why I think that's missing. I wonder if maybe there was supposed to be a page there didn't get printed or something. Yeah, um, quite possibly. Because it's, yeah, it's weird that that's not there. Because everything else, everything else in that regard is quite tight. Like they mm. seem to cover how most other things works, um, but not that. Yeah, it seems weird as well that they, you know, if it's quite like, yeah, you know, the stuff you've listed off seem quite quite big core things mm. that you'd need to know, and it wasn't also wasn't in the FAQ that released today. Well, that's it. Yeah, it, it felt like stuff that you, it's stuff that we expected, we took took for granted, and then we we're like, actually. Because, yeah, because we were like, oh, well, what happens when a machine does panic? Or what happens when a machine gains impetuous? Because mm. there's a spell that causes every unit in 12 to become impetuous if they pass the leadership test. So mm. we were like, oh, what happens with that? And we're like, uh... <laughs> I imagine the, the, the knee-jerk reaction to that when that first came up was, oh, well, they can't be affected because they can't charge, and then went... Oh, well, there's nothing to say that they can't charge. <laughs> yeah, because there's nothing to say that you can't declare a charge. It, yeah, because you are, you mm. can you can declare a charge even if you can't make a charge, even if you can't actually make a charge move. Yeah, which is interesting, and that's specifically stated. Um, so it's yeah, it's weird. Mm. Um, but obviously, like if I have missed it, and there is a bit saying it, the spelling it out in cold hard letters, then sick. Um, <laughs> I can't see it anywhere. Yeah. So yeah, and panicking as well because they when they panicked, they used to just sit under the war machine. In effect, they'd be pinned. Right. But that's gone now. So we played a game um, yesterday, 
and uh, Connor lost a ton of his artillery to panic. Um, just ran away, and oh. we were like, uh, "What?" We were like, "Oh, they must have sat under their war machine like normal." And then we're like, "Wait, hang on." And we looked. We had three people with three rule books looking for it, <laughs> and we're like, "Can't find it." Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, cascading panics a bit different now as well. It's a bit different to the other editions, um, you know, with how when stuff breaks and what gets panicked by it and how that, you know, what they panic, that sort of thing. I mean, so that's a little bit different as well, um, which it, there's nothing bad about it at all. Um, Fear and Terror have changed quite a bit as well. Yeah. Fear is very all or nothing, we found. Um, <laughs> so fear, is, fear seems to be, yeah, it's really good if you outnumber the enemy and it's useless if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> um Terra's really good though. So Terra's it's different to what it was, um, but it's very, very good. Mm. So because it's one of the few things that modifies leaderships, your actual leadership value in a combat. Yeah. Um, so that's really hard to come by. So that's that's decent. So you're increasing chance of someone just breaking and fleeing. Um and being able to just force a panic check or a break sorry, a break test. Well, it's a te- it's actually a terror test specifically. So in effect, it's a break test, but you can't re-roll it with your BSB. Mm. Um, or with Veteran, I believe. So I don't think Veterans can either, which is... I'll have to check that. It might be able to. Um, but yeah, so that's quite good. So you've got... Um, yeah, that's another thing, actually. BSBs are way less useful as well. I was, I was going to... I was, I was holding my... You were holding, holding your tongue. tongue. You're, you're ready, ready to, to be like, BSBs... Yeah, they're they're nowhere near as auto include as they were in the older editions. So, so now editions they allow you to re-roll break tests, isn't it? Within twelve, break and panic within their command range, which is twelve, but not leadership checks, and not leadership checks, yeah. and not terror checks, and not fear tests. But they still give you the plus one in in combat. Yeah, you get plus one combat resolution for having. Yeah. So yeah, so they're not they're not yeah they're not a auto include for a lot of armies. I imagine. No, they're not. No, they look like they're still going to be an auto include for the undead because for the undead, there you get reroll leadership and they reduce your crumble value by D three. Yeah, I have have seen so that. that. Yeah, that's really good. Um, mm. but for yeah, for other factions, I think they're less than auto take. But on the other side of that coin. BSBs can now be equipped like anyone else can be equipped. So they gain all their magic item total and they can take a magic a magic banner if they want. Yeah. Um, so for most armies, you pay 25 extra points given the battle standard bearer and that's it, you know? You, yeah. you can have a dude who's equipped with whatever you like. So he's still, you know, he's still a character with a load of items and he's got a flag, but that flag doesn't impede his ability to fight. Yeah. Um, whereas obviously in 8th, there was a quite a there's quite a lot of variation in what units could take. Yeah. Like some battle standard bearers had all the options; they could take everything. There was no issues. And other ones, if they took a a battle bat standard, they couldn't take this. They couldn't take that. Or they could, if they took a magic standard, they couldn't take anything else. That sort of thing. Um. So that's been kind of flattened now. Or from what I've seen, anyway, from all the lists that I've looked, at, I haven't looked at all the PDF lists yet. I don't know if any of those have changed. Um. Doesn't look like it, but. Yeah, it seems like Battle Standard Bearers now, they're just, they're just a dude with a flag as an additional piece of war gear. Um, so that's yeah. cool. So they don't impede you, I suppose. But yeah, I'm not sure they're an auto-take in every army now. Mm. Um, but for 25 points, they're still pretty good. You know, like, can't complain with 25 points. Yeah, I, th- I think it's the 
I think it's going to be a case of sort of whether you need it to fulfill a specific role within your army to you know, yeah, that's something it, yeah. in particular because yeah. I think now that they do have all of the you know normal options and having the banner doesn't stop them from being that character mm. you pay your 25 points yeah but then all of a sudden that's sort of like opening up a new sink of points into all the different equipment you can get and the magical banners and you know, yeah yeah that's it yeah and yeah, then all of a sudden you've spent like 300 points on a banner pair and you're like, oh, okay, actually, I could have done with this other unit. And he gets blown by a chaos spawn and you're like, ah. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, that's, yeah, that's, I, I think in all it's a good change, actually, because it's it because he's not auto-included. Like you say, he's got all these options and you can end up spending a ton of points on him. Yeah. Or just not at all. Like, it, again, it's it's granularity. You're not just going to see every list battle standard bearer. Barra Santa Barra, Barra Santa Barra. It's yeah. it's different now, you know. And, yeah, go on. Uh, and I think another thing that that feeds into that is that I've noticed far more units can take magical banners now. They can, yeah. That seems to have increased as well. Because yeah, in eighth there was a couple of armies where they could just give magic banners, like elves. Um, yeah, well, mainly elves, I suppose. Of course. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like, oh, here's a magic, here's a magic standard on the unit, Way! and then other armies it was like no magic standards for you. Um, yeah. Whereas now it's it's tends to be as a general rule, most armies can take a magic standard on one of like a sort of core unit per one thousand or per army, um, and then most of the elite units can take magic standards as well. And then the more elite that unit is, the higher their allowance is normally. Of what they can spend on magic standards. So yeah, there's a lot of more there's a lot more options for magic standards. And there's actually a lot less magic standards rolling around now. So there's probably more units that can take them than there are actually available magic standards. <laughs> um yeah. you know, but yeah, no, it's it's cool. Yeah, it's nice to see it be, you know, see some options for putting magic standards in and stuff. So yeah, it's again it's it's just following that theme of there's more options, there's more space to do stuff with. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely. It's, yeah, it's like, you know, you can really make your army your army. Mm. Which is yeah, it's really cool. You know, you're not you're not going to be like, oh, I'm going to pick up orcs and goblins, and you're playing the exact same list as somebody else. It's going to yeah. be a different list because you're going to be like, oh, I want to take that, I want to take that, and um, so that is actually brings us to another really awesome change, which I love. Again, I think it's such a good idea. Is the extremely common magic items. So in every edition of fantasy, mm -hmm. you've had the magic items and the common magic items. So magic items, you know, you book magic items, then you had the rule book magic items, which refers to common magic items. Yeah. So now you have extremely common magic items, and they're split between the rulebook and between your army list, and any infamy lists you'll have, and they're marked with an asterisk. And yeah. if you've got a magic item with an asterisk, you can take as many of them as you like. So, arm shields, you can take, if you've got characters for them, you can take 20 of them if you want. And also, <laughs> a character, it also doesn't stop you from taking another item in that same category. So, yeah. You could take so a lot of time in the old editions, you'd have those little enchanted items, wouldn't you? That were just they were cool, but you just never take them because you were like, Well, if I take that, I can't take this, yeah. And you're like, Well, that's you know, I don't want to do that, I don't want to take like I don't know, this like a potion. Like, you didn't see a lot of potions, did you? It'd be occasionally, no. but not that much, you know. You might see them in like, like a Pegasus Knight might take one occasionally just to get him the booster's initiative up a little bit, and um, sometimes it would be just if you had like. Yeah, it was be one of the cheaper potions as well because it'd be like, yeah. oh well, I've got like five points left, or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? but, 
Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you say, oh, I've got the points, I'll take it, fuck it. But now, you've got, you can take as many potions as you like. You can only drink one a turn, but as long as you've got the points allowance for it, you can just take them. Yeah. And you can take multiple versions of that potion across the army, or even on a dude. So a dude could take six potions of, I don't think he could take six potions of strength, it's pretty too many points. Um, but in theory, you could take, like, say three. You could take three potions of strength. So, that'd be pretty cool. Or what mm-hmm. Connor's been doing recently is taking, like, three enchanted shields on his, um, you know, on his hero. <laughs> so there's dudes rolling around with three enchanted shields just because each one gives him a one-use-only five-up ward save. Um, but that's really cool. <laughs> that, you know, you can, you can kind of, you know, you, that's almost kind of, you can easily narrative that of either... The hilarious option if he's got like some attendant running around after him with a bag of shields and he's like my lord and throws him <laughs> a shield which is actually great and probably what's yeah. actually on this warhammer and it's daft but yeah. you could say like you know this he's like enchanted his shield to such a degree that it's got a few uses in it yeah um, and eventually it's obviously he's run out and it's fucked but no, yeah I like, you, I like the first option that's that's I far more monty python yeah <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's and it just adds to that kind of that, and it, it means that you can kind of it, you've almost it's almost like taking a kind of variable ward safe, you know. You're like, oh, I've mm. got this many points, and the Assyrian amulet's another example of that. Um, Assyrian amulet, Assyrian lodestone, I think it is. They've changed the name of it slightly. It's it's so it used to be the is it the Assyrian? Oh, let me check the book. So I can. <laughs> I just want to make sure I get the name right. They they have changed a lot of <laughs> names, which is quite. They have, yeah. The giant blade and the ogre blade have swapped around, which is weird. The ogre blade is yeah. now bigger and better than the giant blade, which is a bit weird. But the, yeah. the other one that I noticed, which was quite funny, was for mm. beastmen. Um, and the champion of a gore herd used to be called a fey render. Um, oh, but that's yeah. now a special rule for beastmen. Oh. So they've now changed the champion's name to being called a true horn. Mm. <laughs> it's like, well, why have you done that? <laughs> but, okay. <laughs> yeah, they've done it on the Knights of Rome, the Knights Errant, actually. The Knight Errant um, hero used to be called a cavalier, and he's called a gallant now. So the Knight of the Realm hero that was called a gallant is now called a first knight. <laughs> so change that a little bit. But yeah, it is the Obsidian Lodestone. Yeah. So the Obsidian Lodestone. It's an extra con magic item, um, mm. but it then has a... So most of these ones are single use as well, these items. Not all of them, though. So some have stacking effects and some are single use. So you're sitting in Lodestone. Although it's extra common, you're limited to only being able to take th- a max of three on a single character. But for each one you get, you increase your magic resistance by one, up to a maximum of three. Okay. So you can kind of... You know, you can have someone rolling around with three lodestones um, just to give them mattresses and minus three, if you want it. Or luck stones. So you can take as many luck stones as you like. They're 15 points each, and each one of them is a single use and lets you roll a failed armor save. That's cool. So you could give character two luck stones, give them two rollable armor saves. Hmm. Which is, yeah, it's, it's quite cool. You know, it's just that, it's that granularity again and those options. And people are yeah. going to build into that. And I think as go, as it goes on, you'll see these really weird equipment options. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I've combined this and this, and I've got this many use to this. And that's, you know, that's really cool. I like that. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, it's sweet. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that's... I guess we talk a lot about army building, aren't we? But I suppose that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> 
change a lot, but it's, it's it's really good though, just having those options in the army building. Yeah, um, yeah, and I see actually that well, I've seen now the PDFs have come out. I've had a little look at some of them. I've looked at the Dark Elf one, and I've looked at the Undead one, and they both look really good. Yeah, like they they look, you know, they 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 obviously put some effort into them. They, and it, it's a lot of stuff you see on first glance. They that you think, oh, is that right? And then actually, you like. No, yeah, it is because you think, oh yeah, that stacks that. That's how that works. Yeah, it's good. It's the whole the whole army building section, as it were, of the game seems to have had a lot of time put into it. Yeah, um, which is good, which means the games on the border, you know, they're more varied, they're more fun, they're different. So yeah, yeah, I yeah, obviously that's that's one part of the. The game I've been able to have a bit of a look at, and yeah, I completely agree. I think yeah, the whole whole army building section from you know how you choose what units to what you can give them to the you know the different magical items and 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 whatnot that that you can do and how those work. I think it's it's all very well thought out and just yeah really lends itself as you say to um, you know, adding that individuality and uniqueness to your force um that, that helps you tell the narrative of why your army's there doing what it's doing um and whether you know like you're saying with, with the, the whole enchanted shields thing that you know whether that is like you've got some character that you've built that's going to have this you know law filled reason as to why they've got this amazing shield that has these charges if you like to be able to, to use or, or whether it is something a bit more you know tongue-in-cheek with a, a bit more like monty python where you've got like a little <laughs> attendant that's running around with a bag of shields like here you go my lord um, yeah it's like shield cuthbert shield it's <laughs> like so throws him another one like yeah. you know it like blows a cannonball out of the way and he's like cuthbert shield <laughs> <laughs> but Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's you know it just just re- really does lend itself and, and lead really into that sort of narrative um, style of, of gameplay, which I think's just just fantastic. It's, you know, right up right up my street. Right up your alley. Yeah, go right in my yeah. basket. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just cool. So I said, I mean, so from the games I've played, obviously, I've played so I've played three games against Warriors of Chaos. Um, I've played one game against Empire. Um, and I've played one game against High Elves. So I've got kind of a... You know, I've not experienced every other army on the table yet. Um, I'm yeah. playing against Undead on Friday. Ooh. Which should be cool. And that's the Vampires Undead, not the Tomb Kings. Um, right. I'm playing against Tomb Kings next week at some point. Which would be good. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I'm playing against Vampires. But so from what I've seen, sort of, so what the experience I've had of the other armies, I won't really comment on the armies I've not played yet, because I've all played against yet, because obviously you can read it on the, in, on the in the book, and then you actually play on the table, and it's quite different. Yeah. Um, my worries to begin with, actually, with Bretonia were going to be really strong. Mm. And the first game I played, I felt like they were overpowered as fuck. And I was a little bit worried about that. I thought, ooh. You know, because yeah. I've... I was a bit... I don't, I don't want to play an overpowered army, because they do seem... You sort of look at some of this stuff and you think they almost seem to be the Imperial Fists of... <laughs> in many ways, they're the Imperial Fists of fantasy, because they're the poster boys suddenly. Yeah. You're like, oh no, if they put all the rules into these, are they just too good? Um, <laughs> but that, I don't think that's actually the case. Um, so from the more we've played, the less it seemed like they are. You know, you, you, 
you actually see other things. You're like, oh yeah, no, actually that's as good as that. That's better than that. Um, like so, I, I thought that because the Duke, obviously, from the um, so we sort of read out the Duke's stat line. So for anyone that doesn't actually play this game yet, um, you're just looking to get into it. Sorry, this probably won't make that much sense to you. Um, mm-hmm. so the Duke's stat line is so he's 175 points. He's a lot of points. Um, yep. By the time you've given him up, upgrades and magic items, he's pushing, he's over 300 normally. Um, so he's pretty expensive. But he's weapon skill 7, uh, ballistic skill 3, which is irrelevant. Yeah. Um, he's strength 5, toughness mm-hmm. 4, wounds 4, initiative 5, attacks 5, leadership 9. Um, so he's, okay. he's got a pretty hefty stat line. Mm. Um he can also, so he, he also comes with the Grail Vow, which means he's immune to psychology, and all of his attacks are magical. So, he okay. just backhands ghosts, you know, with this <laughs> they get his ring hand, like, bam! Um, and he's also got Rallying Clara and Blessing of the Lady. His Blessing of the Lady is your, your six up ward, or your five, oh, because he's got the Grail Vow, he always gets the Blessing as well. So even if you don't, you don't pray, he still gets the Blessing. Uh, <laughs> Brilliant. So a six up ward against strength four and less, and a five up ward against strength five and more. Um, so he's 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 all right, you know, he's pretty good. Mm. I mean, you can give him bits and pieces. So I was a bit like, oh, he's pretty good. And I've been running one. So mine, I've played the same list every game with, you know, then the two and a half k ones. I just added some stuff to it. Um, so I've been playing my my Duke. He's the same Duke I've been using for you know years and years and years. Yeah. Um, so I've been playing him with uh, the Heartwood Lance, which gives him plus three strength and AP on the charge. Right. Um, and then I'd say on the charge he's strength eight. Um, then I've been playing him with the Virtue of the Joust, which gives him a reroll to wound on any rolls to wound when charging um, with a Lance. So he's wounding pretty much everything on twos with a reroll. Or two. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, and then he's got the Grommel Great Helm, which gives him a two-up roll of armor save, which is pretty nice. Um, and then a Barded War Horse as well. Um, so yeah, he's he's pretty he's pretty hard. And <laughs> yeah, and then you combine him with the sort uh, the Prof Test as well. And I think this, the Prof Test is now returning. They're probably one of the best units in the game now. I think. Um, again, I, I could be wrong. There might be better stuff, but they're they're really good because they're they're a real buff character. Um, they give so with the law of the lady, which is your um, oh, sorry, he's got a shield as well, so he gets his two up save because Grommel Great Helm would make him a three up and then he gets two up with a shield. Um, but the um, yeah, so the law of the lady it's got some really nice spells in it, um, but it's got one called the lady's wrath, which is range self and it remains in play as well, which makes it really good. Um, because you can't cast enchantments when you're in combat, but she can just cast it on one and then in your command phase, and then she charges in, and you still got it on. So her and her unit all gain plus one strength and AP to them and their mounts. So then the, the Duke is then strength nine on the charge, and AP minus four. Ooh. Yeah. And the Knights of the Realm that they're with are strength six and AP minus three, with a possible minus four if they're on a six to wounds got armor vein. My, my gores with additional hand weapons laugh at you. Um, yeah. What is this? Yeah, what is our, yeah. Um, and then all the war horses are strength four with minus one AP as well. So it's that together. So I've been playing him with a prophetess with that spell um, and then with some other spells. Um, she's also got open shield, which gives the, she can give her unit a uh, five up ward. 
Um, nice. And then Arrow Attraction and Arcane Urgency as well, um, which Arcane Urgency is actually really good. It lets you lets a unit move again. Um, so if her, mm-hmm. if her unit isn't in combat, it can be really handy to get out of the way or just to reform. Yeah. <clears throat> or to set yourself for another charge. Um, or to make another unit quite quick. I've been throwing it on Battle Pilgrims quite a lot to get them at the table really quick. You bad man. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good. Yeah, just get them to run at something, and then you ping them. You so, see, you know, with arcane urgency, they're going sixteen at the table. You know, like <laughs> so. There's these this block of dudes with the chair. I just got an image of these these <laughs> pilgrims with their chair, just sort of suddenly as if they somebody's pressed fast forward on the, yeah. on the VHS, and the Benny Hill theme tune comes on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I've been playing her and him in a unit of 12 Knights of the Realm. Um, and then he's, the Knights of the Realm have had the Antlers of the Great Hunt on the Gallant. Sorry, on the first night, um, which lets them ignore the, the penalty for moving through woods. And they get it's to just... reroll dangerous terrain test, which is so good. I think that's got to be the most ridiculous one I've, I've heard yet. <laughs> antlers <laughs> helping you go through woods quicker. Hold yeah. on a second. They got Antlers. <laughs> Um, for that little block there, the first game I played, that seemed insane. Um, the second game I played, it seemed really, really good. The third game I played, it seemed really, really good. Um, but then after that, it seemed to kind of grow into a halt a bit because it's like because obviously we've I've been playing with um, Ollie, Connor, and Zach. Yeah, and it's more okay. I think obviously now people have seen it because I think a lot of it's people been used to Bretonia being a very set playstyle, being you know a little bit weak in the past because they're such an old book and they're considered quite weak. I don't actually think they're very, they've been bad in eighth. I think they're quite good. Mm. Um, I don't think they're a, a bad army in eighth at all. Um, but I don't know. Maybe people are used to me playing in a very specific playstyle, and now it's changed a little bit. They're like, "Fuck it out!" But um, after those couple of games, um, it seemed to grow into a halt. And then it's like, "Oh yeah, I can deal with this." You know, like they learn. You know, people been, "Oh yeah, I can deal with the lance by charging with infantry," and then it's fucked. You know, you yeah. suddenly transformation goes down, um, or like getting a character in that can just ruin the duke because the duke's got quite a low initiative. He's an initiative five, so another character once the charge is blunted. Another character will hit before him, like a Grandmaster from the Empire's Initiative 6, so he'll hit first. Or any of the High Elf heroes, mm-hmm. they're Initiative 7 normally, um, and the the High Elf Lords are also always strikes first. Right. So they'll be hitting first against them as well, that sort of thing. And they can, he's not that great defensively. He's okay, but not. he's not at the level of a Chaos Lord. Right. Uh, there's a theme here, isn't there, of not as good as a Chaos Lord. Because a Chaos Lord <laughs> is really... Chaos Lords are really, really good. <laughs> um, no, yeah. just go around kicking you in. Uh, so, yeah, so it's been... You know, I don't think they're as strong as I previously thought they might be. Um, so I'm hoping... I'm hoping that's the case. So I don't want to be playing. Still, it's, it's not a piss over it. No, 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 no. I mean, I, I think Bretonia, they're really good. I think I don't... You know, they're, I think Bretonia are strong, but I don't... I'm. Less of the opinion that they're overpowered now. Yeah, I I was very seeing all the previews and reading the books before I played. You know, see it when when we got obviously got all the digital versions. Yeah, reading those and then reading it in a flash, I was like, "Ooh, Bretonia seemed pretty strong." <laughs> no, I was yeah, I, I was kind of like these. Yeah, I'd say it seemed like they were the Imperial Fists of Fantasy, and I was like, this seems very very powerful. Yeah, um, I think. Over the next sort of six months to a year, we're we're 
I think we're going to find this. We're going to look at stuff and go, oh my goodness, this is ridiculous. How could, you know, this is just going to absolutely wipe the floor with anybody it faces against. And then after people have played it a few games, go, oh, okay. Actually, if I do this and this, it's not that bad. It can, yeah, it can be halted or it can be counted this way. Um, And I think, you know, that that we'll have with with the way that they're going to be releasing these arcane journals with the, you know, infamy um this i think yeah that's going to add an extra sort of level of difference to it so we're going to see a, a couple of versions i think of of this where something will come out and be like oh actually that looks a bit bit too much and then sort of you know people have you know a handful of games against it and then go oh okay yeah i think i can see how i can get around this or what i need to do to try and you know sort of limit you know the effectiveness of that that particular combination um which again is this is you know i just think it's an interesting part of the game as, as long as there isn't something that comes along which is straight straight up you know there is no way around this this is just gonna put you in the ground and there's you know you may as well just pack up before you've even deployed <laughs> i think yeah it's quite a, an interesting thing and adds a, another level you know of of strategy to the game of of thinking around these things. Mm. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right there. Yeah, but it, it might. Yeah, say I think as time goes on, um, those yeah those things will come and go. Yeah, and it's going to be probably a, at least a year until stuff sort of gets ironed out, isn't it? Yeah, and obviously if if uh, the game keeps up the the you know amount of attention and hype that the community's giving it you know being given it over i know it's obviously going to be bigger at the beginning when it's all brand new and everybody wants it and and you know especially if there's trouble getting hands on stuff um but you know i think if, if the momentum keeps up then you know next year we could be looking at maybe new armies coming in or maybe even if it is really that good maybe in the future we'll even see some of these legacy ones that they said you know no never maybe they will Get oh yeah, back in. I reckon. Well, that's something that's worth talking about. I reckon. I, I think. I know you don't say they said no, never. I think if the sales are good for those armies, if we suddenly see sales and those armies go up, I think they'll go. Oh yeah, go on then. Yeah. The games workshop's business, you know. They want to sell yeah. people models, and if they see stuff selling, they'll go. Yeah, sweet. We're gonna try and sell more of that. Yeah. <laughs> if 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 all of a sudden there's a load of people buying all of the vampire count models but they're not seeing an increase of players in the tournament scene for soul blight grave lords in 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 aos then that kind of is quite obviously that people are buying it for old world (laughs) i don't necessarily think even in that regard because i don't think the tournament players or whatnot necessarily make a difference to the you know i don't think they they really represent the demographics of people that are just purchasing the purchasing things from no what what i mean by that yeah um obviously like if if for example if if somebody was to go out and buy a box of uh the fire slayer dwarves then games workshop that's that's obviously for age of sigma whereas some of these the obviously the legacy armies they have age of sigma armies but not you know a, a line for old world so if you know what i'm saying is if 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 all of a sudden like vampire counts for example who who are an age of sigmar army 
loads of people suddenly start buying more of their models, but they're not seeing more people playing those that army in Age of Sigma. It kind of well, alludes no, no. to the fact that it's that it's being used for old world. Yeah, I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't necessarily think the tournament date is something that necessarily be looked at. I think it would be more that they just see sales suddenly go up now that old world rules are out. Mm. Uh, yeah hope, hope, but yeah that, either way that's that's the hope isn't it that, that more and more will become available in you know yeah in, in, in old world yeah and I, I i i would be surprised that didn't eventually happen mm. i could be wrong but yeah Definitely. be surprised i'd be yeah. shocked yes yes mm, yes mm, yes 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 mm, yes yes <laughs> So I think I think at the moment that's kind of the two major points of contention with with the community is is one there's quite a lot of people you know that are initially upset that their army's a legacy, um, but then when people point out well actually independent tournament you know runners organisers are still going to allow you to use them it's just the GW official events that that aren't going to be using it then yeah that, that sort of kind of answers that but yeah you know, so I, I still i still get it that it'd be nice that they were fully supported within the game and a part of you know the storyline and the, the law yeah that that will be putting forward in in future you know campaign books and and or however they they release future content for old world mm. um and then i think the the other sort of main one at the moment which again is kind of a temporary one is um obviously all the the um up upheaval about you know the pre-orders and people getting their hands on stock and and whatnot yeah 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 but i think apart from that it's it all seems to have been quite positive mm. which is brilliant bloody bloody great that is yeah bloody great love it <laughs> yeah yeah so what's your uh, what's your plan for your first army with your beastman? You think you're gonna play then? Oh, I'm, I'm still still fiddling around in my head with how things. I I need to because I've got kind of in a way I've got access to more stuff with beastmen now than I did before. Even yeah, okay, I've got new new units that I couldn't take before, like the the dragon ogres and yeah. the copper drives and stuff, like. Mm. On top of that, because they've changed where you can spend your points with certain units, like for example, Razor Gores, they they used to be a a special choice. They're now a core choice. Oh, are they? Yeah. So it's like, oh, actually, I can take them as a thing, and you know, and and the changes to the um, Ungor rules, it's like, oh, actually, they have a place in army now. Like, you know, I might actually want to use them instead of Gors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Ungor scouts, are, or the Ungor Ungor scouts, the ones of the bows, they're like not completely useless now, are they? Well, yeah. The the Ungor scouts, I think they're a point or even two points each cheaper. Yeah, um, so that, which is so which is cool. Go, but... oh, play those. Yeah, because you you really wanted some of those, didn't you? And then you were just like, "There's, I just can't." You're like, "There's no reason to have these." Yeah, well, yeah, especially the the Ungor with you know close combat weapons. It's like I, I for the price of them, I may as well just take Gores because they're better in in every way. Yeah. Um. Whereas now I could take a unit of uh, Ungor with spears and shields, 
um and i think yeah that works out with a spear and a shield that's six points a, a model um and they yeah they've got a pretty average of what cross the board stat line with a with good movement as you say they've got um skirmish and and they can move through cover um and then on top of that they've got the chariot runners rule so now they can become like a moving screen for chariot yeah yeah which you know is a really cool idea yeah and it really gives them a, a place in the army um, no, like chariot yeah. runners is i think one of the coolest rules they've brought in so if you're yeah. a player of the older editions and you haven't you don't know what the chariot runner rule does i'll um i'll just read it out so, I've got the look <laughs> in front of me. so chariot runners for any models whose troop type is chariot can draw a line of sight over or through models with this special rule and can move through friendly units of chariot runners that are in skirmish formation if the chariot's move would result in it ending on top of a chariot runner Simply nudge the chariot runner aside by the smallest amount possible to make space for the chariot. While in skirmish formation, units of chariot runners can treat friendly chariots that are within one inch of one or more of this unit's models as part of the unit for purposes of unit coherency. Which is really, really good. Yeah. Like, it just opens up so many options. I mean, for you, like, how are you going to, like, play that? You know, like, what's your sort of thing? Oh, what am I going to do with that? So, my, my, thoughts with that is to have a, a fair size yeah probably about 20 20 guys in skirmish formations formations so they're quite spread out um with a couple of tusk or chariots behind them and they'll you know act as the screen for the chariots because the chariots can move and charge through them but equally if the um ungor you know take a charge then the chariots can then charge through them to get into the sort of the juicy parts of the unit's charge. So I think yeah. if, if I take, you know, maybe a um, maybe a character or something that I could put with them that would give them something like stubborn, yeah, that, that, that would help them take, you know, take that initial hit, that charge into them, and then the chariots come in because they are really good on the charge. And they'll, yeah, you know, they'll they'll help decimate whatever's gone into them. Yeah, which is, and that's like exactly how you see beastmen using ungors as well, isn't it? Like how you sort of imagine them to use it. Yeah, because um, the the, the ungors are sort of meant to be the the, the runts and they're the closest to to the human looking and generally have quite small horns, so they're kind of treated really badly by the rest of the sort of beastmen. Um, not sure if species is quite the quite the worst, but you know they they are they are absolutely you know the the most hated. Um, yeah, so yeah, you know, on there really, that's sort of thrown into the grinder. Yeah, yeah, which is funny because they're the ones that actually probably have the most uh, craftsmanship skills out of all of the beastmen as well. So it's them that actually you know amends armor for the the bigger races and stuff. But they are yeah they are treated like crappy slaves and yeah you know, they are the scum scum beneath the the hooves of the rest of the the beast men yeah. so the, the like the idea guys. yeah yeah exactly and the, the, the idea that you know the chariots are sort of using these <laughs> these poor encore as a literal sort of meat shield and then like when something you know interesting comes along that they want to charge it's like well i'm not waiting for you to get out of the way i'm coming through <laughs> you move or else because it is the point that is the the uh, chariot runners unit that has to move to make way for 
the chariot. So it's yeah, <laughs> it just really sort of feels quite quite fluffy at that. At that yeah. Point. But yeah, it's um the the other um sort of new addition that that they've got is um the access to a Centagore chieftain, um, which yeah didn't have before. Like yeah, there's nothing nothing too spectacular, but it's just cool that you can now take. Yeah, a Centagore character as as a leader within the the Bray herd, as it were. Um, But yeah, again, it's just given more options, and yeah, it's it's interesting. (laughs) But um, yeah, based based on what I've got at the moment, I think. probably be maybe looking at maybe a big big blob of gauze and then um some best of gore and yeah the chariots around it with cygore at the back and lobbing his rocks um yeah and sort of go from there but i think part part of my problem is i need to sort of sit down and look at the characters and work out what do i need each character to do and then to do and then yeah specifically take equipment and and you know, magical items and stuff specifically around that so that I'm not trying to have like a Jack of all trades character because I don't think that will work as well in this edition. Oh, okay. Uh, so you're, you're going to try and sort of focus him to, to complete like a certain task. You're going to be like, yeah. right, he's going to go and bash in character. So I'm going to give him this, this, this. Yeah, like for, for example, if, if um, you know, I was worried about a heavily armored unit, say, say like one of your fancy blocks of knights. Maybe I have a look and think, okay, well, um, yeah, the the beastmen have a access to the law of beasts, um, uh, magic. So maybe take a bray shaman and give him vile tide, which does um, five d six strength one hit with no armor saves permitted. Um, and then there's a, um, I think it's called the hag tree fetish, um, uh, magic item that you can give them. Which allows you to re-roll any failed wound rolls from magic missile spells. Ooh. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm hitting on sixes, but I'm then re-rolling all of these five d six that haven't, mm. you know, haven't hit. And it's like, okay, you're only going to be able to take ward and regeneration saves on this. So all of a sudden, yeah, these big, big armored knights are getting taken down by a, you know, somebody throwing maggots at them <laughs> yeah that's pretty cool um but you know that that sort of thing like you know you can take that because that that affects all magic missiles so maybe i take a, a bray shaman that's just got a lot of you know magic missile style attacks to make the most of that hag tree fetish and you mm. know sort of base that around that and maybe well, take... could... yeah i was gonna say how many magic missile things can you get on a bray shaman can you take a few um, well, the two there's two in Law of Beasts that you can take. You've got the the Viatide one, and then you've also got Devolve, which is the, oh um, yeah, Devolve's the magic. I thought it was a hex. That's yeah, good. No, isn't it? Magic missile. So yeah, yeah. you just um, lose wounds as well. Devolve's just no fucking yeah. safe, isn't it? It's just gone. Lose wounds. And then the uh, magic laws that they the beastmen have access dark? to is dark demonology and elemental. There's 
Yeah, because Dark's got Doombolt in it, hasn't it? Yeah. 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 So there's, there's, there is a, a few different ones, you know, across those those three that you yeah, can that'd be, add yeah. to it. Yeah, you could almost and, have quite a shooty little beast, couldn't you? Yeah, and, and um, you know, if, if you really wanted to, you know, obviously whatever you roll, you, you can swap one of the rolls or two of the rolls for the, the Law of Beasts spells. Um, and then equally, you could take that. Um, ah, no, you can familiar. take. Oh, yeah, to take two different laws. Yeah. And then you're, you know, sort of aiming for the <laughs> aiming for the missile. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you can take two different. You can't take two different signatures, though. I don't think. I think you still only allow one signature max, so you can still only have one of the two out of beasts, and then that will be it. Oh, okay. But still, so you could take either Viltide or Devolve, not both. Yeah. But um, still, though, yeah, you can still, yeah, still, still a cool idea, little shooty, little shooty beastie boy. But yeah, so that that sort of thing of you know trying to make sure that you know if I'm gonna equip certain items or or something to a a character, then make sure it's gonna be something that they're actually gonna get a lot of use out. of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you um, build so, build like a little. Yeah, because as you said, it's it's um you know it's it's the the points for magic items and uh and and weapons and all of that sort of stuff has has gone up so you know if if, if you're buying a, an item you kind of want to make sure that you are actually getting good use of it <laughs> mm. yeah that's yeah. a fair point yeah but yeah so the, the, yeah there's even even in you know the collection i've got at the moment there's quite a lot of different options and and combinations that i could try out to see sort of how those those work out and obviously i my army's got quite a lot of options for uh, making units have the ambush uh, special rule as well. So again, that adds in more different options and a way of sort of doing things. Um, and then, yeah, I've, I've got a couple of other units on, you know, that I'm going to be working towards on myself. And then, yeah, I've obviously put an order in with yourself for a few extra units as well. So it'll give me even more options. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Isn't it? So you've got yeah, you've got your ideas for the way you're going to move next with your beastman then. Yeah, I think I think for me is is I think kind of like you've done. I need to have a few games using different use to sort of see how they work in the new edition and what you know what's kind of changed from because yeah, as you've mentioned, yeah, looking at stuff on paper. It's very different to how things actually turn out. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Yeah, and especially if you're looking at it with the mindset of an older edition. Yeah, because there are things that have changed. There's lots of little things that have changed, and you go, "Oh, yeah, actually, you know, something might be really good in sixth edition or eighth edition. Probably wouldn't be so good in this, and vice versa." Yeah. Um. So it just, I mean, yeah, like obviously, large blocks of dudes with stubborn, for instance, they're still pretty good, but they're not as good as they probably would have been in eighth. Um, they're still really good, but yeah. not as good. Um, for instance, so yeah, it's yeah. it's all it's all pretty good. The future is bright. Um, anyway, have you got any events booked in for Old World yet? Um, well, I've got a little uh, one day um at Bristol Independent Gaming. Um, That's what I'm coming to. Nice. Yeah, 
yeah so uh jim's jim's running that it's going to be a that's going to be in april beginning of april um seems like it's going to be super casual um you know obviously the the game at that point will be out just long enough for people who are brand new to or just you know want really want to start a brand new army for old world to have you know got some stuff put together and maybe slapped a few uh, layers of paint on but you know again he, he said there's no painting requirement for it because it is very new for everybody um you know just just to have a, a feel for the game and and have a few games and have you know have a good time so looking forward to that um mm. uh i believe there might be a, a certain event going in um Exeter at some point. Yeah, so we do events. So I'm I'm going to be running a an event a so it'll be two days old world event in Exeter. Um, it's going to be on the fifteenth and the sixteenth of June. So it should give people plenty of time to kind of get a you know a bit more experience playing the game. Um, but it will still be you know it's still going to be open to people that maybe never played before. Um, people might have played a couple of games. Maybe you've just you know you've bought your models and you're painting them and you're thinking, oh, I'd quite like to go and play with someone. Um, so if you're interested in doing that, um, it's going to be a two thousand point event in Exeter, like I say. Um, it's down at the Whipton Social Club, um, which is um, kind of fairly near to Pinho. Um, if you know where Exeter is. Um, there's free parking outside the venue, so it'll be two days. Um, there's two games per day, 2,000 points. There is a painting requirement on the models, but you just got to be painted, you know, so don't turn up with bare plastic. Um, but that is really the only requirement. Um, there is going to be no base size requirement for this. Now, I don't know if some other events are going to start mandating base sizes. Actually, that is something I wanted to talk about as a, um, as a bit of a diversion, so I was going to mention earlier and I completely forgot. So, Obviously, there's a lot of videos online saying, oh, you need to change your base sizes. Oh, this is how you get a movement trader, base your base sizes, etc., etc. Now, the game is perfectly playable with any base size. You can play old base size to new base size, and it does not matter. So the only changes caused by base sizes are... So obviously, if you're a new player, this doesn't matter. But if you're an old player, a big jump from... Uh, the old editions of Warhammer Fantasy to Old World is that all the base sizes have been quote unquote increased. Mm. Um, so Games Workshop have put a base size in the profile of every unit, saying this is the base size that you marked on. All the almost all those base sizes have increased from the base sizes the models were originally sold with, or the base sizes the models were designed to play with in the old edition. Um, but with the way the old world works now, Games Workshop have put a there's a little note um, on page. I think it's 93 of the rulebook and mentioning that the base sizes don't really matter but if you want to play a matched event um then you should update all your base sizes um that's complete bollocks to be honest um to put in a word and i <laughs> think a lot of the youtubers are putting stuff up because a lot of the time they're actually selling movement trays so <laughs> they've got a lot of money to be made from that um like mini wargaming amount in miniatures now although they've produced some really good content they've very much been pushing the base size change and going oh well if you don't want to change your base sizes buy a moving tray because your base is need to be bigger they don't um so the only real two rules that make any difference of base sizes so the first one is your fighting rank and models in combat so if you've got models in combat and they've got smaller bases there's going to be probably going to be more of them in contact with the enemy unit which means they'll get to make more of their attacks if they've got more than one attack on their profile it's very, very difficult to get more than one attack on your profile on a model that will be on the 25mm base in the old world. 
Um, yeah. The only models I can think of off the top of my head that would have that would be goblins or men at arms with frenzy. Same, which same for is very goes with frenzy, but again, on goals and twenty fives. Well, sorry, on twenties. I'm on sorry, twenty mil, not twenty fives. On goals are twenty fives. They're now twenty five. Were they twenty before? Were they? Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. There you go. So Ungles and Frenzy. There you go. So that or maybe a unit with double hand weapons. Um. So Corsairs from Dark Elves, um, Orc Boys. They wouldn't be on there. They're on twenty fives already. There's not a lot to be honest. Um. Yeah. It doesn't make that much of a difference. To be fair, you're probably talking about one model, maybe two models difference. That's one to two attacks difference. Yeah. Um, but that, so that is, it's nothing in the grand scheme of things. And that is offset by the fact that if you've got smaller bases, you will take a lot more hits from stone throwers, from templates, from cannons, yeah. and that sort of thing. And I'm, ta- I'm not talking like a small amount. We're like a lot more. If you compare yeah. the, the, the difference in hits from the template, um, from a 20 mil base to a 25 mil base, or from a 25 to a 30 mil, it's a big difference. And oh, you will yeah. take a lot more hits. Um, so I'd probably say overall it's probably a disadvantage unless you're specifically playing into those small bases, um, in which case <laughs> you're just being a bit of a dick. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it, it doesn't really matter. You're probably going to be at a disadvantage overall. Yeah, yeah. Um, playing with those smaller bases, if the opponent's got a lot of artillery or if they've got flame weapons, breath weapons, spells with templates, and those are probably more common than units with small bases and multiple attacks. So... Yeah, it's 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 not really an issue. Um, anyway, back to the point. There will be no base size requirement for this event. Um, yeah. Doesn't matter what, what if you've got an old army and you want to bring it. If you've got a new army, you want to bring it. If you've got old models on small bases and new models on bigger bases, that's fine. Um, obviously, the best thing to do, I would say, would be try not to mix the base size in a unit because it will make stuff really difficult. Um, there are rules for joining characters to units if the base size is different. You just put the character on the outside of the unit. There's no issues with that. It doesn't impede you in any way, really. It might mean your character might not be able to make all their attacks. Um, if you're, you've lined the unit up weirdly, so you'll need to make sure you line the units up properly. Yeah. Um, but that's the only difference, to be honest. And we're all adults. We can get over it. You know, yeah. If there's a slight issue with it, we can get around it. And there's, it's still not perfect now, though. You know, They've put the base sizes up. Um, and it's caused some other issues with various characters joining units. The Beastman Chieftain, for example, has got two base <laughs> sizes. Um, yeah. Because there's two units now with different base sizes. So it's like, oh, he can take this size or this size. And it's like, all oh, right, okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, <laughs> basically what I'm saying is don't worry about your base sizes. It doesn't matter. Um, if you've read something or you've seen a video saying you need to change your base sizes, you don't. You really don't. It's, it's really not required for the game. <laughs> so um, unless you're you're trying to play a tournament game at a super high sweaty level and people are going to be moaning about a millimeter difference or something then you know that's a different ball game but that's yeah. not going to be something you're going to experience sorry dave what was that you want to say something i was, was going to say where can they uh find out about these oh tickets? sorry about it yeah sorry i was i was going to get back to that um anyway so um tickets will be going up on eventbrite uh probably at the end of this week um, nice. So when they're up, um, we'll put them, obviously they'll be in Eventbrite, I'll try and post them around a couple of different um, groups, they'll be around on Facebook, that sort of thing. Um, I'll put them up on my Instagram as well, which is at yeah. Gaming, and on your one, which is at Death's Deployment. Yep. Um, so we'll get them around, um, they'll probably, I'll, yeah, they'll, they'll be around, um, or you can obviously message me or Dave, and we'll put you 
in contact to get a ticket. Um, they're probably, I'm, I'm not expecting to sell them out immediately, but there are limited places. So if you do want to go, um, then just sort of watch the space. I will probably, my aim is to get them up on sat. So on Saturday, the 26th, that's my aim to have them up then. Um, that's what I'm planning to do. All right. It's probably, I would say, 10 o'clock Saturday to set on that Saturday is what I'd, I'd like to do. Um, but that might change a little bit depending on the, the 27th, day. you mean? Sorry. Like, sorry. I looked at Friday. <laughs> yeah. My bad. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Saturday 27th. Um, yeah. Saturday 27th. Sorry. Um, at 10 a.m. is what I'm aiming to do. Um, but if they go up before that, well, you know, well, I try with one not to put them up before that. That's, that's what I'm aiming for. Um, but yeah, so it'll be 30 quid. Um, you get four games over two days. Uh, parking's free. You get free tea and coffee. Um, you'll need to bring a 2,000 point painted Old World Army. You'll need your rule books or a digital copy of your rule books. I don't care how you get a digital copy. doesn't bother me. Um, just bring a, bring a charger for your digital device so you don't have, you know, you're not halfway through a game and you run out of battery. Um, there's plenty of parking there. There's toilet facilities there. I say you got free tea and coffee. There's loads of access to takeaways. There's a pub pretty much next door as well. There is a bachelor bar on the venue. I don't know if it'll be open though, so um, don't worry about that. I'm not quite sure at this stage what the issue of bringing your own alcohol on the venue is. I suspect it's not allowed, or I'm not allowed to tell you you can do it. Um, yeah, but I imagine I'm, so. Yeah. Um, so I would say. I'm not allowed to tell you to bring. You can bring your own alcohol, but you can bring your own food and drink, and just be, obviously be respectful. Um, there's also yeah. plenty of places to get food around the place, and obviously you're only going to be about 15 minutes away from Exeter as well, um, or it's the city centre anyway. So you can, you know, I mean, in the evening there'll probably be a load of us going down for a meal. So if you want to come and join that as well, be more than welcome to. Um, yeah, yeah the so best part um, of it all is you yeah. get to meet us both. Oh. Get to meet us both. Yeah. <laughs> So, give us abuse yeah, to our faces exactly. you can be like you fucking you this might be the worst podcast i've ever heard please stop <laughs> and which is understandable you know like that's that's reasonable if you want to come and say that to me you can so i'll be running it um david actually playing it yeah um it'll be just playing the missions out of the rule book at this stage just because again it's going to be fairly early days for a lot of people so we'll be playing a different rule book mission um of for each each game so we'll probably start off a battle line and then we'll randomly select a mission after that yeah. Um, but there will be options to play board-specific missions if you want to. So if you and your opponent want to play a um, a bespoke mission for the table you're playing, then you can do. Um, but you're under no obligation to do that. Um, it's mainly it, it will be you know mainly focused on turning up, meeting people, playing some games, seeing each other's armies, just working towards that kind of that first step in a play in the old world. Um, so yeah, so if you've got any questions, you can message me or Dave. So I say that is the um, the event. It's going to be on the fifteenth and sixteenth of June in Exeter, um, and the tickets will be going up at ten o'clock on the twenty seventh <laughs> of January. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, Dave, gone. Have you got a, a name for the event? I actually don't have a name for the event yet. Um, I mean, I, have, I haven't written. Yeah, yeah, suggestions on a postcard. Yeah. Um, there, there will be a name by Saturday. Um, it's just the <laughs> event currently, <laughs> but by Saturday there will be an event. And funny, I've actually got everything else done other than the name of the event. Um, it's always the last thing. 
needs to be done, I suppose. Um, we're also, so obviously we're using all the current rules. Any rules that come out between now and the day of the event will be valid. All of the legacy armies are also valid. There's going to be none of this, oh, it's a legacy army, you can't play it. Yeah. Absolutely bring your legacy armies. Um, if you've got special characters that don't have rules, um, then use the most appropriate uh, generic character for them. So Archeon would be like just a Chaos Lord and the Demon Steed, for instance. Um, if you have got models that aren't that are completely unplayable in this edition, then let me know, um, and I will either recommend what I would like you to proxy it as. So, say you want to bring like um, a Celestial Hurricanum, I'd say proxy that as a War Altar. Um, that'd be fine. You know, use the War Altar rules. Um, so then you're all good. If you've got models from your Hammer Fantasy Army that you really can't play. Um, we'll look at either doing some little bespoke rules for them or we'll work something out because I don't want to sort of stop people that have been playing Warhammer Fantasy for years from coming because it's, you know, it's yeah. nice to get into a new event. The main thing I've noticed currently is you can't take the Blood Crushers of Corn, um, which are quite a popular unit in 8th edition uh, fantasy because they're fucking insane. Um, so, yeah. but they're not in, they're not in, um, Old World at all currently. Um, so, because I know the obviously the background for Old World is that the Chaos are they are not ascendant at the moment, so they're not particularly strong. So a lot of the more demonic stuff isn't there. But it'd be nice to see those models on the table. So we'll work out some way of um, we'll work out some way of playing those if you want to bring them. You know, they could be there's there'll be something you can use them as, or we'll work out some rules for them. So yeah, okay. So I think that's everything. Just Go proxy on, see them as uh, Marauders. Yeah, it's probably they're, they're yeah. basically the same thing, aren't they? You could probably <laughs> use them as chosen knights quite easily. Um, I think chosen chosen knights with a mark of corn would be fine. Yeah. Um, but of course, we by then we might get rules for for chaos to field those because the army's infamy for chaos might be the god specific lists. Yeah. Um, Who knows? Yeah, that then that will be that will be fantastic. I have a strong feeling that might be the case, but Ooh. who knows? Um, yeah. So as I say, tickets will go up. Saturday the twenty seventh, um, thirty quid each. Any questions? Message me. Message Dave. Yep. Um, yeah. Tell your friends. Tell your mum. Yeah, be good. <laughs> we'll play some Warhammer Fantasy. Uh, yeah. So I think I think that's to be honest. That rounds the podcast out, doesn't it? I, I was going to say just just on events. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. The, the only ones other ones I've seen is there is one sort of near London. I think it's like Lansing that I've seen come up a few times on Facebook, yeah. but unfortunately that's about three hours too far for me. Um, but yeah, just obviously have it, keep an eye on Facebook. That's generally a good place to, to look out for events. Um, and yeah. also there is some whispers that um, Aaron may be doing a... Uh, ah, yeah, Danger Close. Danger Close. Maybe doing a Old World Day um at some point in november but um nothing's been confirmed yet but keep uh, an eye out for for those because it will be one day will be a heresy and then the other day would be the old world i imagine but um mm. yeah keep keep an eye out for for those as well for danger close because um Aaron events are, are fantastic as well um they're really good whether whether you're into heresy or, or old world yeah, yeah, they're they're really they're really worth going to. I mean, talking of which, we've actually got we got a few heresy events lined up as well, haven't we? Uh, yes. Well, you, you've got more than me. 
<laughs> well, I have, yeah. I mean, because you're have you just got you got Orthon's Hope coming up, haven't you? Because we're almost there for that now, aren't we? Yeah, so I'm I'm on the March one for Orthon's Hope that's uh, being done in uh, Crediton, um, and then the I'm on the reserve list for Aaron's Easter Van event because I don't know what was happening, but I completely missed when the tickets went on sale and <laughs> so yeah unless, unless a couple of people drop out I, I, I might not be going to that one personally but um yeah there's still still hope for that one in in around easter um and then the only other heresy one i've currently got booked is the greetings of the warp one that they're doing i think it's september yeah that's gonna be really good i think isn't it yeah, yeah. So that'll be my first uh, greetings of the warp. Oh, that'd um, be really good event. And yeah, I've you know, again, I've not heard anything bad about those events that that they run. So um, yeah, really looking forward to that as well. Um, but yeah, but you've 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 got a couple more, I believe. I have, yeah. So I've got both Orthon's hopes. So I'm doing Orthon's hope in February. Uh, this is six February the sixteenth, I believe. And 17th. Um, so I'm actually been putting some militia together for that because I'm playing Imperial Army for that. Um, so I've been trying to, because I've been so hard on the old world train, I've just abandoned heresy stuff for a little while. And so I've just been, I've actually just been basing or half basing, I seem to do weathering powder on um, my militia jetpack troopers. So it's a recon squad with jetpacks and last pistols, which I think might be the worst investment of time for points that I've ever painted. <laughs> Um, which is brilliant because they're yeah I, I reckon these guys are going to die turn one every game um, so I've just sent some pictures of those they look very nice I'm really happy with them because these yeah, are some really of the models that I like digitally kit bashed so they're like uh, they're all 3D printed um, but they're a mixture of so some of the parts on them are so they're all pre-printed as single piece models um, mm. some of the parts on them are from I can't think what the creator's name now is and that's really bad but it's the Hive City Guard um, that, they, that he does, and they're excellent. Um, the the actual models, they're like a the mm. rogue trader themed. I'm gonna actually find his name now because now I'm saying it, I feel like I should, you know, <laughs> be like supporting. Um, they are the Hive City Guard by the Elector the Electororum on Colts 3D. Um, but yeah, they're they're really cool. Um, so in the helmets, I. Actually, the helmets on these are his stock helmets. So the helmets and everything else, I change myself. So I open up and blend it and cut some bits out and change them a little bit. Mm. Um, but these helmets are the original helmets that he made with them. Um, so I thought these ones, because they're sort of they're, they're quite different to the original um, road trader design, and I wanted a more road mm. trader design. Um, but for these, I, I, I for the jump check dudes specifically, I thought I'd use um, yeah, I thought I'd use his original ones. They look a bit. Yeah. They've got balac- they got like balaclavas on and stuff. Um, and I quite liked that. Um, yeah, and then I made the jetpacks and the um, the jetpacks and the harnesses. I made sort of so it's bits I made myself in Blender, and then some bits from various other creators. Like some, I cut some pieces off of Mark Five. Um, yeah, for Mark Five Marine. Um, and then he got I put some little Imperial Eagles like in the little bit where the vent normally is. Um, the backpacks are so the backpacks, although they they so they are ripped directly from 
um, a piece of Rogue Trader artwork of a dude that looks exactly like this um, in wearing a jetpack. So Space Marines used to have um, they in the original background, their power packs were jetpacks. Okay. Um, and God used to be able to take those jetpacks as well. So I've just <laughs> sent you a little picture over of that. Oh, um, yeah. So try to replicate that as closely as possible. Well, yeah, pretty bang on. <laughs> so, yeah. So I was, I, yeah, I was really, you know, they're sort of a labor of love, this unit. So they've had a lot of time put into them. Um, <laughs> like no. I say, they're obviously this, the models by the Electorum are a, the Electorum rather. They're they're so good. Like he makes really good models. Um, his pre-sports are fucking terrible, so don't use his pre-sports. <laughs> but the mod the models are great. So use the un print the unsupported versions. Don't print the pre-sports. <laughs> but um, but the uh, yeah the actual three D modeling is amazing. Um, they're really nice. So I'd recommend having a little look at those. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. So I'm really looking forward to playing the army. So I've got I've got these. I've just I've just got a, um I've got a finished base, and I ran out of tufts while we were recording, and I've realised I've got no tufts left. So I've got to make a little trip to Clifton Road Games and pick up some tufts. Uh, and then once I've done that, I can put the weathering powder on the bases, and then I've got to build three land raiders, which will have the third line rule, which is going to be excellent. So they're going to become bunkers turn one. Um, and then I've got to paint. Uh, a 20-man artillery team with three Earthshaker cannons. And I've got to print and paint uh, three Sentinels, and I've got to paint 15 Rough Riders. And then I'm done. <laughs> just a small amount, amount, then. Just a small amount, yeah. And then I'm ready to play two events with that list. So we're playing Orphan's Hope in February and March. Yeah. Uh, so be good. Um, then I've got... Uh, what event have we got after that? Then it's Old World, isn't it, in Bristol after that? And then I feel like I'm going to another heresy event. Oh yes, yeah. so I'm going to Kerry Love's. Um, well, Kerry Love and Aaron's helping run it, but it's mainly Kerry's. Uh, Kerry is running his militia-only event, and he's a fucking yes. hero of doing it because someone had to do it. And <laughs> Kerry's finally stepped up. You know, there's many men were called, but one answered. The, the ticket sold quite quickly for that as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm well keen for that. So obviously that's all mortals. So it's Imperial Army, Militia, Solar Auxilia. You can take little allied detachments of Mechanicum, but you're not allowed to take like the insane units. You can't take like Thanatars. You can only have one unit Mermidons, um, which I'll do worry about because I think one unit Mermidons could probably kill an entire army. <laughs> uh, but we'll ignore that. <laughs> um, yeah, so it looks that looks like a really fun event. So. Um, that's in Bristol as well. Uh, that's in October, so it's a little bit of a time away, but that should be really fun. The only downside of it is that it's only 2,250 points, <laughs> which, um, you know, I understand the, the reasoning of, oh, well, it's militia and it takes people a long time to build and pay militia, but bollocks, 3,000 points. <laughs> Do it. Hashtag 3,000 points of militia. You cowards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cowards. 3,000 points of militia. Make it happen. <laughs> Don't be a coward. Oh dear. Do it. But... If everyone turns out to that event with 3,000 point armies, then the game it becomes a 3,000 point event, doesn't it? Well, yes, see? It should technically <laughs> Exactly. So that's what you need to do. Tell your friends. 3,000 points. Militia. I'm being, I'm being a super, super coward. I'm not going to that <laughs> one because I don't have a militia army. <laughs> but you're good. You're a coward, Dave. 
Yes. You well, could have a 3,000 point militia army. Yeah, but I could also have twice as many beastmen as I currently have. Well, what if you played a beastman militia <laughs> army? What if you magnetized all your bases? Just, just all, all with close combat weapons. Yeah, you can. You literally can. You can play abhuman helots, and um, yeah, that the situ- I don't think you even need a second thing. You take cult hall, I think. But yeah, abhuman helots, and then everyone gets two, two close combat weapons done. <laughs> Beautiful. Friends on. There you go. Abhuman helots and friends on done. <laughs> Two hundred beastmen. Yeah. See, I could pretend my cycles uh, Lehman Russ. <laughs> yeah, you could. You literally could. There is absolutely no reason why you could. You cannot play a militia army. Cowardice. It's the only answer. Well, now, now the reason is that there's no more tickets left. But ah, uh, but but <laughs> you're on, you on the reserve list. So anyway, that's that's going to be sick. Um, and then we've got obviously Greens the Warp. Um, and that's going to be awesome as well. So. Yeah, got all the events coming up. I don't know what I'm going to take. I'm, I'm loyal to Greens, I know, so I'll take some flavor of White Scars, or I might just take Militia again, actually. I think, I'll, I think um, 2024 is the year of the Militia, to be honest. Because yeah, I love I'd... playing I love playing Imperial Army. They're the funnest army ever. <laughs> it's great. It's like when you cheer because you killed a Space Marine, you're like, yeah! It's so good, <laughs> you know? Like, when you kill a Terminator and you're like, that's pretty, it's like a moral victory. You're like, even though I'm losing like 15, like 15 2, I've won in my mind because I killed a Terminator. Yeah. So it's, it's beautiful. It's With a last pistol. But, mate, <laughs> with a last pistol. Yeah. <laughs> with a rusty crowbar. Oh, yeah. I need to make a go with a rusty crowbar. I think I've got an STO for a rusty crowbar, actually. <laughs> mm. You've got enough to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, could be more. I could get put the rough, get the rough rider sergeant a rusty crowbar. Yeah, certainly could. Mm. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So, plenty of events coming up. Plenty to do, and I suspect there are more old world events in the pipeline as well. Yeah, I'll, there'll I'll, be I'll, loads. I think, unless I think, apart from Aaron's events, um, sort of heresy wise, or maybe if there's a local uh, doubles event, maybe. Um, might be interested in that, but I think for me, the rest of the year is going to be keeping an eye out for old world events because yeah, I am so firmly on that train. <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a good game. Like they've they've done such a good job on it. Like I said, I know we've obviously said there's some issues with the, where the rule books laid out, um, you know, and but other than that, it's such a good game. Yeah, it's and... it's brilliant. Obviously, I haven't had a, a chance to actually play it myself yet, but even from watching all of the different battle reports from the different YouTube channels that are doing it, and, and you know, this is from, you know, channels like uh, Mountain, Mountain Miniatures and Mini yeah. Wargaming. Yeah, I mean, Mountain Miniatures, like, yeah, go on. I was going to say that, you know, that have, have got a good history of doing fantasy games obviously they're you know they're well in it so you know they've done their battle reports have been brilliant but also sort of some newcomers to doing the battle reports like tabletop tactics who you know until you know recently it's just been 40k and then they recently started delving into a sigma they've come out with some brilliant you know videos for um old world as as well you know so it's been you know i haven't haven't seen a battle report so far that i haven't enjoyed really enjoyed watching um so you know that gives me gives me a lot of hope for when i finally get a chance to throw some dice yeah and i i, I meant to do any similar so I, I just completely like 
as well. Like, um, maybe because he's just done such a good job, you know, amount of miniatures. Yeah. I think his his videos are just like the whole old world release. I mean, his fantasy videos are excellent anyway. Like, he yeah. produces brilliant fantasy content, but his old world stuff has been uh, like above and beyond. He must be exhausted because he's released so much, hasn't he? I know there's a couple of videos where he'd been like recording for like 14 hours or something, hadn't he? Like, and he's just like, but he's he's just produced like this incredible, like really high, like really like high quality content. Yeah, I you know he's he's made sure that all the miniatures look good, the tables look good. He's explaining all the rules. He's sort of done deep dives into all of the books. Yeah, like he's he's done such a good job. Like, then- yeah, it's. And then on top of all of that, he ends up flying across to Nottingham. Yeah, to yeah, a, yeah, yeah. He flew across. The, yeah, weekend. yeah, because he's been running like the. Um, yeah, I haven't seen much about that yet, actually. Yeah, because he was running the starter events, wasn't he, for um, yeah. for fantasy on Saturday? Which apparently, by all it, by all accounts, that Saturday was just like utterly rammed. Like Games Workshop completely underestimated how many people were going to turn up to that. Yeah, well, normally when they have these sort of big, uh, you know, sort of open weekends, it's it's. They normally do, you know, put a, a limit, you know, even if you're not, you know, paying for a ticket, it's, it's you know, there's normally a limit on how many people to, can, can turn up. But, yeah, mm. they just said it's open to everyone, you know, turn up if you want to. <laughs> you got yeah. completely flooded. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But, but yeah, the, going, going back to Matt Miniatures, he, he, yeah, he must be absolutely cream crackered now after all the travelling and doing that, as well as all this, you know, lead up, prep, you know, preparation with with getting all the videos ready. Yeah, um, no, he's he's done an incredible job, I think. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, if there's some Games Workshop do one of these uh, community award things uh, again in the in the future, yeah, I think yeah, should definitely give him a, a little vote because, yeah, yeah, he absolutely deserves it, doesn't he? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's he's just yeah, he's he's just done like yeah, he's been fantastic. Hmm. Helped build the hype. The Games Workshop have probably got a lot of trade from him, I'd imagine, just from from his work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, and yeah. and himself with the uh, movement trace, remember? <laughs> well, yeah, like well, like that. Him and yeah, you know, him and Mini Wargaming have been trying to sell the movement trace. That's you know, that's to make money in it, and yeah, they, yeah. they you know that's that's fair enough. And I don't yeah. know if they're in by games workshop to try and push the game the base choice changes perhaps i don't know um it's probably win-win for them speed people if they say you have to change your base size then it's either you chase your ba- change your base size or you buy a moving tray so it's winner for them yeah. um but you don't need to do that <laughs> you really don't need to do that but but we'll let him off that because he's made some brilliant content <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah cool all right right should we call it at night then yeah, I think we've uh, wrapped it on for long yeah. enough. Nice. Right. <laughs> I will speak to you later then. Cheery bye. Bye, everybody.